Well, if everybody's good, then what? let's go. Let's Episode go. six. We recording? We are recording. Stuck on stuff. We are here, yo. Let's go, Stitch. Snuck, what up? Chilling, baby. So for today's guest, we got filmmaker, actor, writer, uh, award-winning filmmaker, mm-hmm. Johnny yeah. Hickey. Make some noise yeah, for Johnny yeah, Hickey. Yeah. What is up? Yeah. What's up, brother? What's going on, guy? Chilling, man. So, Johnny, we wanted to get you in here. Um, now, I know Johnny... I met Johnny, uh, I met, so I'm going to call him Hickey. That's really what, that's oh, what yeah. I'm going to call him Hickey from now on. Is that what you go by? Your, your, you know, that was, my na- that was my neighborhood name for sure, was Hickey. When you were a kid, yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to bring Johnny on here and talk about how Johnny came up. Because he calls you Johnny. I, I, I thought I was going to call Hickey. I know, right? I'm so dumb. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Uh, talk about how Hickey came up, how you got into filmmaking, how we met, and uh, also clear the air. Because, I mean, let's just keep it real. You can't be a controversial uh, a person. So right, why not? Let's clear the air and right. let's get let's get Hickey's side of the story. Still been through some shit too. I was reading up on dude. Yes, Hickey has definitely been through some shit, and we'll we'll talk about all that. So, let's go. Let's Where where'd you come from? Chicopee. Chicopee. Chicopee Mash. Yeah. For real? No. Oh, yo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yo, you know what's so funny? Yo, one Still of my first shows. One of my first shows was out in Chicopee. Yo, they showed me mad love. Seriously? Yeah, this dude, like the very first Where's studio. That, like, out west or something? Yeah, it's out west, it's like, like Springfield. by Springfield. Mm-hmm. One of the comedy clubs that the comedy connection owns. That's the only reason I even know what Chicopee is, and it's the, actually right because you were big into comedy shit. You were telling me. Yeah, that, that I started my career in comedy, working in comedy, not as a stand-up comedian, but. Um, but I'm from Charlestown, born and raised in Charlestown. Born and raised in Charlestown. Uh, senior in high school, um, moved to Gloucester. My mother became a teacher. So I was like on welfare in the projects my whole life growing up, like in the bricks. Yeah. And then at like a weird age, 17, my mother, the whole time thinking about my mom was my mom was like going to Bunker Hill Community College, got her associates, went to Suffolk, would take the T bus, take out loans, financial aid when she was in community college, all that stuff. So it was grinding. Yep. Grinding, but one of the only, very few women in the Bunker Hill projects to not be just collecting a welfare check and getting high. And mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, she was trying to get me and my brother out of shout the Shout out, uh, just real quick, shout out moms who come from the projects. Absolutely. My mom also came from Absolutely. the Absolutely. Always, always. It's tough, as you know. So, and she did it, but she did it at wait age for me. So I did really good. Like, I won state science fairs when I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, all the way to my freshman year. I won a state science fair. I was like the only Caucasian in mass to win a, a state science fair. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, for real. And um, I did like a lot of environmental projects, which is very bizarre coming from me, obviously. And then, you know, things I did in Charlestown growing up weren't things that really drew attention to you legally or anything, because it was it was a you know neighborhood that was used to like way worse right. stuff going on. Right. And the second no, I got just like put your got put, you kid, just so it's not. Uh, I know what I'm doing, kid. Into it. The second I got implanted into Gloucester. At 17, like, you know, a year of high school left to go from Charlestown High, which is, like, Suffolk County Jail, to, right, right. like, that's, like, there's, like, tables, neighborhoods in, in the cafeteria at school when I went there. It was probably, like, four of us from Charlestown, and then everybody else bust in, so. Oh, yeah, because how old are you? I'm 35. 35. 82. So you were a little, I'm, 80, I'm 85, 32, so you were a little past the busing, right? You, that was... Yeah, that was before no, that was, your time. Yeah, but yeah, I did. Yeah. But my first, the thing that drew me, which was <laughs> so dumb. a great segue from that, is though the first film I was ever in was about bus and it was called Common Ground. It was actually a miniseries with Gene Curtin on um, like NBC, at NBC, NBC. And I was, I don't know, probably like 10, probably around Jaybird's age. I was like young. And was it that was, like a weekly special or something? Yeah, it was like a two two yeah. pop miniseries, like kind of like it was, like but about the bus and that, but the bus and crisis in the 70s. 
Um, but they shot it in the 80s, early 90s, and um, I think it was like 89, I forget. But but anyway, so I was an extra, casted as an extra when a kid to be in the parade, and it, my role got bumped up to like being Jane Curtin's son's friend, and I had like, I said like one more like, hey, to, hi, to the, like, someone, <laughs> like the mayor. How the hell did you even get, like, how did they you came, even get? They came down to the church, St. Catherine's in Charlestown, and said, hey, if anybody wants to make money being in a movie, we want real people from the neighborhood. So my mother brought me in, like in a barracuda jacket and all this weird stuff, they and they, the they picked me. But so when this, so this was, this was, but this is, yeah. this is the story of where I want to be a filmmaker and I want to make movies and be an actor. Because how old are you at that point? I'm like bird's age, so I'm like ten. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like I'm young, you know. I'm like ten, twelve. I'm, I'm very young still. I can't remember the exact. Yeah, because I was gonna ask you that if you had always wanted to make the movies, or if just because of what how your how your life turned it out and, and, and the this, things that happened to you, did you want to give that this, story and this, then so you made the movie? This was the moment. This this mini series was the moment, and the reason why was every day. So I was on like every day. I was only on like three or four days. Mm-hmm. But I think the pay was like sixty bucks. It wasn't even what it is now. But for a kid in Charleston, the projects, it's like, wow, I'm getting money. And to be money. on TV, yeah, and get to be on TV and get Shit. paid and get paid as a kid Sign and, me and up. as a child, get a check that Don't. your mother has to take. But what? But you know what I mean? But your money, yeah. And so it was really cool. And then everybody was like, oh, Johnny, Johnny, like all my friends and like my mother's like the other parents because my role got bumped up to saying hi to the mayor on the parade or something. Major role. Yeah, yeah right. So, <laughs> but but to go from just standing there to saying yeah, something's a big yeah, deal. At that time, at 10, I, that's a major role. Yeah, at the yeah. time, I didn't realize how big of a deal that was. It right. was just exciting well, yeah, to me. Well, it set you down a path that you'd, right. you'd, you'd end up following for your whole life. But so every <laughs> so the first two days, they would separate the main cast. So like Jane Curtin, like the you know the people from New York and Hollywood that were there acting, and right. then the Charlestown neighborhood project people, and they would bring us to St. Catharines, which is my church and the projects where I shot oxymorons, and then they would take them. Charlestown's only a square mile up over the hill to one of the only other three churches in the community, St. Mary's, and I'd be like, why do they go to St. Mary's, and why do we go here? So I asked the kid who was like the speaking role that I was like his friend in the parade, yeah. where do you guys go for like lunch? You know, because we go down to. St. Catherine's, the hall, the bingo get hall. Peanut butter and jelly. Get a bologna sandwich, an <laughs> apple, and a milk. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, we go, and we have catering. And he's t- explain it to me. I've never seen anything like this in like my life. Like what, like catering and stuff? Yeah. Like, so when, I, when I'm a kid in Charlestown, there's like the 99 restaurant, and that's like a big deal. Like right, that yeah. McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, like f- fancy stuff just didn't exist to, right. uh, to me in my world. So I'm like, screw this. I'm going to fucking get on this bus with them in this van with them, and I'm going to go to St. Mary's. I'm going to see what this is all about. So the bus pulls up. And they're getting on, and I just could tell that like, when I was young, I was like Jay Bird. I'm like had this like you know. You the keep hustle. saying Jay Bird. I'm sorry because my daughter's daughter here. here. She's always with me. I'm sorry <laughs> Jay, for Jay people Bird. don't know. No, I yep. apologize, but I just it references because it's the same age at that time, and um, and I had this you know I just wasn't afraid to do things. So I jumped in this van with them, and I'm like waiting for someone to say something, and no one says anything. Door slams shut. I'm like clear, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm coming to eat. Like, I'm coming to." Oh, yeah. and he's like, "All right, cool." Like, and so I went in. Anyways, I sneak into St. Mary's, and it's got like chicken salad, just like. You know, catered food, but stuff that I was, and I, but everyone was just like, there was just a vibe there, this energy in the room where everything was like way better than anything I had ever seen in my life and where everybody else was in the projects. And I'm uh, like, I want this. This yeah. is what I want. I want to be and, here someday, not sneaking in. And, right. you know, movie sets, bro, it's not like you're walking on to like, fuck, it's not like a job at McDonald's, yo. Like, that shit is, I mean, you right. got, you know, a creative thing like that, yo, it's not like your everyday job. You know what I mean? It's a whole different atmosphere. It's, it's yeah. It's... So after that, so after that first thing, 
<clears throat> that's like a, just a little taste right there. Where, mm-hmm. You know, you said one line or whatever. Yo, what, I know you are the smartest thing? person ever, but you, it's like it's sounding shitty. It's just, for real. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Money, it was true. Yeah. I think the mic was the just mics. dropped. Yeah. The mics. You have to like speak right into the front yeah. of these fuckers. It's like that everywhere. Every show I go yeah, on, I gotta yeah, like, yeah. Much, I gotta make yeah, out right? with the ew, fucking thing. Ew. Um. So get on the bus. Oh wait. No, I'm saying what was next after that? What was after the ten-year-old one-liner? So a- after that, you know, it was my life just in Charlestown. I didn't do anything else. I did an Orange Julius commercial, actually, which was kind of cool. What but the I, fuck is that? I, I was one of the kids sticking the straw in the orange. Oh, trying to, orange, orange Julius. I was like a little dark kid, kid, like trying to stab the thing with a with an Oshkosh shirt on. Um, Oshkosh, bagosh. And um, I don't even know if that's I just made that up. Yeah. I don't know if that's what I was fucking wearing. But um, but so and then I didn't do anything else, and then. I you know I grew up in Charlestown. I did science fairs, and I, I lost that moment where I you know where I could had any attachment to that world because there was not there was no tax credit here back then. There weren't multiple. The only thing going on was Spencer for Hire. You know what the fuck is Spencer for Hire? Spencer for Hire was a TV show that they used to film in Charlestown and all around Boston. I didn't even remember the guy's name. I think he was like a. I think he ended up becoming like a James Bond or some shit. What at was some it point. on like? It PBS was not. Or? It was not. I don't even know, dude. Whatever the. Like well, twenty five was back then, how, you know. How long before you go from doing that, you know, what we were just talking All about, right, so, to, to being unknown? We're gonna have from, to. We're gonna have law to, yeah. enforcement as one yeah, of the so most we'll notorious. Fa- we'll, fa- Aussie we'll fast forward through that part for a minute. I'm sure you guys want, might want to come back to that stuff, but you know, so I, I want the juice. I, I seventeen. I moved to Gloucester. I get into a fist fight at the school, like halfway through my senior year, and I get expelled, which is unheard of for a fist fight, even though I fucked the kid up. And they sent me to jail. I was 17 years old, so I'm not even legal. It's not even legal for me to go get scratch tickets, cigarettes, booze, whatever. Crazy. Yeah, 17 is though the age where they can. But like, start but to, but no, ju- but I have yeah. but but I have no juvenile record and no real prior record at all. Just you a know? fight. Just a fight. You know, I broke the kid's nose, but I mean, but still, like like jail, like Middleton yeah. Jail with you know heroin dealers from Lawrence and wherever and all this and Spanish gangs and. It just shut out law town, but no, but that was that's the world of Essex County, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. So you know, I'm a kid from Charlestown. I'm 17. I haven't been in Charlestown my whole life, and you throw me in for 10 days, and the 10 days turns to 30 days, and the 30 days turns to six months, and the six Why? months turns to a year. Because they what they do is they do this revolving door thing where court. we'll give you 10 days, we we'll give you 10 days, but 30 days probation. Okay. And then and every then, time you mess up, now they got you. Now I'm a kid from yeah. Charleston in Gloucester, I can, Massachusetts. I can yo, there was like a good, I would say, shit, I'm not even lying, maybe like a 12-year period where I was, I always had, I always, either I was on probation or I had an open case or like, you know what I mean, where you're just in the yeah, system. Right. You're in that fucking it's revolving and door. When they, and when they, when they get you on those things, as you're advancing as a criminal and learning more things, some people or most people, Every time you do something different now, they hit you with more time. So the time starts to stack up, you know? You start with the 10-day, the 30-day, where in, and then you go down the road of a year to eventually I ended up doing three years. I, I got two and a half um, years to serve for um, multiple drug distribution charges, possession of a firearm, assault batteries, and then I escaped from a minimum prison um, in Lawrence. Shout out to Lawtown. Um, <laughs> Hold on, what are you talking about? The farm? Yeah, the farm. I, I escaped from the farm. You know, you know this place? Yeah, yeah, the farm's like right on the highway. Four, yeah, it's a minimum security. Like they let like you can chill, you can kind of. I don't know it. why. It's still it's, technically it's like jail. That mic. Can yeah. you can you hear? It? It's just like echoey or some is it? shit. Yeah, like I mean, sometimes. I mean, I was, 
I think it's partially his voice with the mic. It's just how it sounds. I don't oh. think it's unclear. Nah, but I've been, usually, I've been killing no. this shit every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's do feel like I have to be good. yelling, though. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe just try to push it up a little. I, no, I think up if you're going to go anywhere. I don't know, yo. I think it's That's a little bit. That's a little. I don't know. I don't want to block dude's face, too, though. Oh, yeah, that's right, too. Fuck. All right, whatever. So, um, wait, yo. So, what the hell? What? what? You just. How, how do you dip out of um the farm? Because I've never been in the farm, but I drive by it all the time, and I always wonder, yo. Well, I do. I see the cops chilling, though. I know they chill over at the thing. So people are like, oh, why'd you escape? You're an idiot because it's such a soft bid, you know, that part of But normally when you go to the farm, it's at the end of your sentence. So normally you got like two years in, and it's your last six months. You go there to reintegrate back in the side. You go on work release, yada, yada, yada. I've flipped something and got there basically with two years left, six months in. So it was like reverse. But the So even though I had a connection at the sheriff's department in Essex County through my attorney... And some money politics stuff, right? That didn't make the guys that run the farm, like that superintendent there, still dislike me that I somehow was there with two years left. So they didn't let me go on work release. They would treat me like a bitch. And then I was in a room where someone was smoking a cigarette. You're not allowed to smoke there, but cigarettes get in because people bring them back from work release all the time. And I'm not even a smoker, as you know, but I'm in the room. So they just put it on me too. And I get taken down to basically where they ship you out back to the main jail, the maximum security, and I'm going to be in the hole now for 30 days in July because I was near a room with uh, someone smoking a cigarette because these people have a hot on for me. Right. And the guy, his name was Fanari at the time, was so mad that I, you know, that I was there and was couldn't wait for me to get in trouble, said, keep him, hold him, and we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to drive him back myself. I'm going to drive him back myself. It's that vicious, dude. No bullshit, <laughs> right? So I was Crazy. like, so they, I get sent back up to my dorm room, and I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And I literally found some kid that had snuck a cell phone in and would charge people money. I'm like, give me a phone, took it, called a ride, got a ride up on 495 under the billboard, set the time up. So at night, every hour there on the hour, you have to do a standing count. So you stand by a bunk. Listen they up you. if you're in the farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do a standing count. And then at nighttime, like I think it was, like, it was 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., you're just in your bed. You know what I mean? And they mm-hmm. come by and count you in your bed. They're not going to wake you up, you know, because yeah. you're going to have to work and stuff. So I made a fake dummy in my bed. I made a oh, body in my geez. bed. I went down to the kitchen and just, this is a roll of the dice. I just know that the kitchen cop will take people out into the parking lot to dump trash. And then there's a fence, but you can hop it. It's It's got barbed wire and stuff, but if you a ninja enough, you can get over that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you want out enough, you can get over that shit. And all you got to do is clear these two doors that lock behind each other, like glass doors. But you can get out there if you're with an officer, you know? So I, I went down, I just started bagging up trash, and he's like, oh, what happened? And I'm like, I got caught smoking a cigarette, so they're making me do the trash runs tonight. I'm going to be doing the hallways late, like, they keep me up. And he's like, oh, all right, yeah, and didn't even check. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I was just going to, and just had the trash on my bag. I went through the doors, they buzzed them, and it just happened to be fucking downpouring out. Because I'm thinking, now when I'm in the pocket, I'm going to have to snuff the cop, right? pick up an assault charge on top of the escape eventually. You know how I mean? old are you? Oh, dude, it was like 19, 20 at this time, yeah. Yo, yeah. it's funny, like, how, you know, like, that's smart. You know, you like, you know what I mean? Think about the planning and the things you have to think of in order to do something like right. that. So it's funny how people can be, like, smart and, like, use it for, like, yeah. good or, like, you so can what use they, it to be. What did they Not saying on? that you're, like, a, you know, whatever, but it's just, and wh- Are you even thinking about that? At no, time? I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking, get the fuck Cause, out. Because you're 19. And how am I going to beat them? Because they have a 24-hour recovery rate, the Essex County, Massachusetts apprehension team. They have a recovery rate average of within 24 hours, they get anybody who ever tries to leave the farm. Did you know? How could, did you even know that? Yeah, because so when I was at the main jail, one of the sergeants was on the, um, 
you know, the hunt team, the the apprehension team, and he would tell stories about prior escapes before when yeah, people of took course, off. Yeah. Or right. when most people wouldn't escape from the farm, they would wait till they were brought on work release, and, and they would take off on the highway, or they yeah. take off. Um, at the job or whatever they were at. No one really escaped from the building, per se, but me, I right. guess, you know. I, maybe somebody else did, but not that I know of. Um, so I knew that the stories he would tell in the unit, we would, like, clean. Like, so you clean, and, like, some people talk and, you know, become friends with them to get cookies and brownies and milks and whatever right. extra shit that's a value that you don't even yeah. consider a value on the streets, obviously. Um, and then, you know, I always was a firm believer and was taught, you get two ears, two eyes, and one mouth, for, two nostrils, one mouth for a reason. Listen and watch more, talk, you know, talk less. Mm -hmm. And so I would just listen to the stories. And I would just let them go, let the guy talk about them, and this is how we do this. So I knew how they operated already in my head. And I knew they always go, they immediately, because you're an escaped felon, can get a warrant to tap anyone's phone line who's written you a letter, right. visited you, family members, prior addresses, lawyers, whatever. Right down the line, they can just tap because you're an escaped convict. Mm -hmm. There's no... There's no like rule against tapping and stuff for that. So I knew that and I knew they would go right to like my mom, all the main people's house. So when I got out, what I did was I would call different, um, like, so I'd be in Rhode Island and I would purposely call from Rhode Island on a payphone and tell my mom or whoever, hey, I'm in Rhode Island. I'm good. This is where I'm staying. Come here and see me. I'm going to be down here laying low. And I know that that four, the 40 man apprehension team was now on their way to Rhode Island, yeah. and I was on my way to New Hampshire. Vermont yeah. was where I ended up getting pinched eventually. They were tracing cell phones that I got, and someone dying me out and gave up the number I was using. And, you know, I got hemmed up. And to answer your question, I ended up getting six months on and after, which is like nothing. I got six right. months on and after. Not at the farm this time, though, right? No, yeah. no, 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 not at the farm ever again. So. <laughs> Not a lot of things. You get punished forever because of that. If you're yeah, gonna, yeah. so you need to, so you need to straighten out or be ready to get slapped around oh, a yeah. lot. You got, you got to escape. You have an, you have an escape uh, thing on your record. So, so bro. during this time, so once you get that six months, because somehow it turns into what? So, the, so, three so years, yeah. What? So I had a two and a half year sentence. So basically, the six months I had already done before the escape, they gave me that back. So it was like I that time was negative pretty right. much yeah. and then i bounced around i get into fights and i do it on purpose sometimes because mm -hmm. you want to try to get moved because you want to break up your bid because like essex county is miserable there's no movement right so i get into a beef and i get shipped to bilrica and then i'm in bilrica that's not a bad hit. no it was called yeah. the house of pancakes yeah. at the time yeah, like yeah. we had cookouts but it was like nuts right. it was, and there was all townies there they were all kids i grew up with in charlestown and like friends and stuff there was there was no one from child there was one person from charleston with me in essex and then bilrica was like they would have to move us around because they didn't want four or five of us together or whatever. Um, and I was in the drug unit there with HBO and the, it was nuts. And <laughs> I mean, what for was like, HBO just doing? There was like a main a room series. and no, there was a main room. Oh, no, 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 there was a main room the and HBO yeah, on the yeah, TV, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. at right. night, like watching yeah, yeah, HBO yeah. in your yeah. dorm with no locks. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like crazy, you know. It was like easy time, is what I'm saying. So, so you yeah. start, you start coming up with like, you know, you start producing like the the oxymoron screenplay while well, you're in there. Well, yeah. So what happens is at, at that bid. A kid came in that was heavily, um, God rest his soul, my boy Sean. He oh, was he was heavily involved in um, in the original like original original like oxy like being out and pharmacies and stuff. Like I didn't even know what it was yet. It was okay. coming out while I'm away. You know, 
What, OCs in general? Yeah. Okay. People starting to get bopped in like 01, you know what I mean? It's like becoming a, I had heard, of, they've been around, but I was like out doing raves with like Ecstasy and Cat Tranquilizer, and no one was doing yeah. that. And now, <laughs> shout out, no bullshit, yeah. shout out Special K. Special yeah. K, American Yo. label, Fort Dodge. Yo, um, I remember we used to get the little vials, no, I used to chill with these people in Stoneham, bro. They did all types of weird fucking my house, drugs. Yeah. my high school, died from Special K. I was really? Like, oh, fuck is Special K, Damn. We would get it ever. in a vial. It would have like all Chinese on it. You would you would that's pour a, it the, in that's a the bad uh, stuff. Really? The, the, yeah, you always want American label anything. You, know? <laughs> you would have oh, the Chinese was, version. Yo, of course he was. I was <laughs> you would pour it in like a glass baking sheet and put it in the oven, bake it for like, I right. don't know, twenty minutes at four hundred degrees, and then take it out and then take like a razor blade and scrape what had now that, that yep. liquid that had cooked and it would be powder. You know what I mean? Crazy, and it, bro. it was crazy about the stuff. Is every, crazy every the, there were different ways to cook it, like how he mentioned in the oven. But every way you cooked it was a, almost like a different intensity of the high. Really, the, the wow. best way to cook it would be to was to air dry it, put it on a plate and leave it out in a place where nothing fell on it and let it dry. A blow dryer was always second best. Microwave was last. Um, bacon in the oven was was another common way, but you had to keep the heat at a certain level so it didn't burn off. And yeah, you lost yeah. it all. Yeah. But that, but that's that was insane. what I was used to. When I went away, that's what I was messing. So you with weren't on that even day. doing opiates. You're not doing Vikes perks. No, nope. uh, here and there. You know nope. what I mean? Yeah, you don't, no, you yeah, don't... no. I messed around with stuff, but yeah. I never had. I was never like, yeah, yeah, yeah. slinging them or had, a, you know, a habit on them or anything like that at that point. And then people start coming in, like you know, as you, when you're doing two and a half years, like that's a lot of time. Even though it's a day away from home is a day away from home. Absolutely. The day. Absolutely. And yep. and it, that's still a small bid to some to like you know people that do tiny that horrible shit, but like. Anything like a month is like things change so rapidly. Like think of what think of what happens in a year in your life or two. You know, so imagine someone went into a coma and woke up right before like when Obama was president, and then right. they wake up now. And Trump's president. Trump is president. Trump. And you literally had write no idea. That movie. Uh, and then movie. think about this. Um, I heard this week about because you know how OJ got out too. Yeah. That they were showing him the iPhone for the first time because when he went in, what nine years, whatever it was, like I guess the iPhone wasn't popping like that or whatever. And there's, I don't know if there's a video of it. If there's, I want to see it. Oh, but like, yeah. if you don't know what an iPhone is and you just did 10 years or whatever and you come out, that shit must blow your fucking mind. Yeah, yeah that I means so much changes. But while I was away, people were coming in on Oxy and I'm like, why is everyone getting pinched on Oxy? What's the, and, you know, I quickly learned right before I was getting out how, you know, how bad it was. And I got shipped back and, and then I end up getting out and I was like, all right, how do I make money? What's going on? Right. And that was the thing was like all these my thing when I got out was like get the deal is like get this dude this dude and this dude that I know are all punks well, You came that, out as a, that like I, a hustler. Yeah, and I would listen and people would be like oh this one's moving mad 40s This one's moving this this one's moving that and in my head would be like yo he's a bitch I'm gonna get him Your first thought was was money was dollar signs not necessarily like yeah doing drugs and shit and I'm not proud of that, but like that was my survival mode and that I had been in my head I was a criminal now I was living up to being a solid dude, a tough dude, a respected dude, feared right. with my crew, whatever bullshit it was, street yeah. bullshit it was, to, to that's what I, what else could I be? I can't be the actor I wanted to be now. I can't even get a, like a job as, as an environmental scientist or working down mass water resources like I was planning my freshman year because- Wow, that's some funny shit. You yeah, really like yeah, that science shit. Yeah, dude, I was heavily into the environment and stuff. And, and now I'm a criminal. Now I've just followed suit and- all my cousins and my uncles and all these people that grew up in Charleston before me that did that stuff. And I never wanted to be that person. I right. always wanted to be better than that. And and so, you know, fast forward, I end up getting thrown off an 80-foot cliff, being told I'll never walk again. 
being told I'll never have kids, being told I'll never be able to use my dick again, like all this stuff. Like quickly, how how did you get just thrown off a fucking? You got jumped. Literally, no, yeah, no, yeah. But so I get out um, of that bid, and I'm running around, getting involved in all the oxy stuff, and I can feel like the negative energy floating around me. And I still went out that night. I knew I wanted to stay home. I was sick, and I just wanted to. And I, my mother told me to stay in, but I went down anyways. It just literally, it was this this cheesy like. At a hotel party in Quincy at the Marriott Hotel, me, my homeboy from uh, Somerville from like Winter Hill, like so, you know, a Charleston Somerville kid. My little brother at the time was like, he was young. He was only like 17, so, but he was, a, you know, he was a townie too, but he was still like a young kid. And then like a party full of like Quincy kids, like Germantown kids, like, and my boy Mikey got in a beef with them in the hotel room. A fight erupted in the room. Crazy thing, everything got broken. Security comes up, throws everybody out. And as we get out into the parking lot, there's like three carloads of kids pulling up, and I see them. Quincy, motherfucker, yeah, Quincy! Exactly, dude. That's how they were doing it. And and I, I told my little brother, I'm like, yo, go hide around the building. I was trying to get my friend Mikey, like, yo, you know, come with me. Like, don't, you know, don't, what are we going to do? Fight yeah. three carloads of kids? Like, yeah. it's good. And I don't want to get arrested either. Yeah, I'm on drug with. And he's like, nah, fuck these bitches, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, he had to be like an animal always. And like, Did you say you were on drug court? Yeah, I was in drug court. Yeah. <laughs> did but, you really? Yeah, yeah, five years. So wh how, why I, I, were you I, on drug court if you had got out though? Because that was part of my remainder Release. sentence. Yeah, dude, they want to like send me. I got a. I, got, I completed. I, yeah, I graduated. Yeah, more than drug court. Yeah, I, I finished it in Lynn, dude. Really? So yeah, it was vicious. And, All right. So yeah. So the fight. So you want to get the fuck out of there? So I want to get the fuck out of there. And he runs into the crowd of kids and just starts getting whopped. You know what I mean? Like before I know it, like his white t-shirts over his head. It's filled with blood. They're broke, breaking Heineken bottles over his head. Right. And I'm like, what do I do? Do I, if I don't hang with my boy, I'm never going to live it down. I'm going to have to beef with him for leaving him. All this like stupid stuff. And I do the stupid thing. Or maybe it was the smart thing at the time. I don't know. And uh, now, not at the time, but, and I run into the circle of kids and just like, I'm going to go down with my boy, but I look for the toughest kid. I suck at the toughest kid because sometimes if you hit the toughest person in the yeah, pack, you know, the other dudes down. will bitch out. And for maybe like, it felt like three seconds, I, I thought that it was what happen. was going to happen. <laughs> not so much. I woke, <laughs> I, I woke up seven days later in BMC, Boston Medical Center, with a dislocated hip, separated pelvic bone, tore my urethra, and my bladder exploded. God damn. Uh, yeah. He's naming shit I didn't even know we had. Like. Yeah. Um, and doctors tell me I never walk again, and I never have kids, all this horrible stuff. And what happened for me is I was on morphine. I had never done heroin, but I had done oxys and everything and every, everything in between. But I had never put a needle. I never even sniffed heroin. But I knew that I was smart. I knew that morphine was pretty much. Heroin. Were you were you like a OC head? Like were you addicted to OC? No, like, dude, not like that. You were just not, honestly, I mean, I had like the habit of like doing one every day or two. But I was I was. Well, that's what I'm nah. saying. Like what the fuck? <laughs> he said, Nah, not really. I just I had just a habit everything. of doing like two a well, day. No, you know what I mean. I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not heavy. I'm saying not like the people were doing like five a day. So I mean, but dog, fam, like you needed to do that. If not, uh, otherwise you would have been sick. Yeah, I lose, yeah, but I never got sick. So that was a thing. Because you always fucking had. Them. And then I was in the hospital. But yeah, he, right. but here's the deal. So in the hospital, I'm hitting the the morphine button, and that's like the oxy high times twenty. Yeah. I can't even yeah. like what. And the thing that I realized in my head was every time I hit that button, it was called the six-minute button. So every six minutes you hit it and you put morphine in yeah. it. I wouldn't give a Lit. fuck or care that I was never going to walk again, never have kids. It went away. Yeah. And I said to myself, dude. This is awesome. But I, but I, I did say that, but I also said this is so awesome that they're not giving this to me when I leave here. Yeah. And I'm going to have to face the fact that I'm not going to be able to walk again. Yeah. And I'm going to be in a shitload of pain. Yep. And the only alternative to this is going to be to stick a needle in my arm that killed someone that was like my sister to me when I was much younger. You know what I mean? And 
I don't want to ever do that. I don't want to become a heroin addict. So I ripped the morphine, and it was giving me these, every time I come off of it at night, like when it wasn't like the six minutes was up or whatever, I would have these hellish nightmares, which I portray in oxymorons of like acid pouring down my throat with the pills. They like very vivid, like they were real, like demonic, crazy, scary shit. I ripped the morphine out of my arm. I went cold turkey, almost 30 days in the hospital, no narcotics, went home with no painkillers. And I truly believe that the mental state that that put me in, that I was able to kick opiates at a, the one time in my life where I have every excuse to do them, mm -hmm. is why I was able to walk again, miraculously. like the doctors can't explain it, why my pelvic bone went to normal on its own. And miraculously. And, and why, yeah, miraculously, and why my urethra healed around the catheter, which it wasn't gonna, and I now have my beautiful daughter, and you know what I mean? Everything so was it right then, like when you started getting right, and you were done with that shit, or then you were like, all right, I'm gonna stop? It was really? this manifesting thing that I created in the hospital, and after that, I went home, and I went into drug court, and they said, this kid was in and had any excuse to do opiates, we're just gonna erase your drug court. So I was like two years in on five years drug court, they just like threw it out, and I was like, whoa, wow, this is like amazing. And then I said, you know what? I'm gonna become a filmmaker. I'm gonna write right. this, all this stuff that just happened. I'm gonna make a movie, I'm gonna write movies, I'm gonna act. Why, if I can do what all these doctors said I couldn't do again, why can't I do that? That was my dream right. as a kid, let's go back to that dude, wake up. And I went back to it. And then your story is like, it writes itself, you don't even need this crazy. Still writing itself. Exactly. Still yeah, every yeah. day it's writing itself. The, the six degrees of separation, um, there's, there's two things with me, either I'm lying about all this stuff, right, And I'm a, but I'm a really good storyteller, Right. Or it's true, you know, and you can look it up and there's I have all the paper true. It's all true. It's and there's no bullshit um, Yeah, because I'm not sure if this is after oxy or before oxy, but um, the dig article um, you The know, phoenix article. The I know what there's you're referring a, to. There's a phoenix article it out doesn't there. It doesn't exist no more <clears throat> Yeah, it doesn't. I went to doesn't. look for the it. Because the phoenix. The phoenix don't exist no more so basically oh, yeah, this stuff phoenix was archived you said, yeah, but yeah, even yeah. after they they shut down the phoenix they, all their articles and stuff was still archived for a certain amount of time i guess and now it's it's like so, it never happened in this that article sucks i had one i want to look for it <laughs> <laughs> in this article of the phoenix uh, there was an article written by chris Farone. was was this the first article he ever did no so Farone's first article on me was like in 06 when i was writing finishing writing oxymorons on the street and working at the comedy connection like you know booking comedians and doing like you know night floor management and stuff like that um i wrote i just was at bunker community college and i would walk by the dig every day in the orange line and be like i want to be in that that that's like that's the perfect yeah, market for me it. and what i'm yeah. trying to do is an independent filmmaker from the streets you know so i wrote an email to the editor and they passed on to farone who was just a new writer there at the time They're like you gotta go check this kid out if like half of what he's saying is true it's like definitely worth something and Farone came out and met me. And one thing Farone would tell you from like the day he met me till now is like my story never changes. I keep it real. I'm not like it is what it is, you know. Right. And I and I gotta face that too. And anything that you know what I mean. I'm not proud of everything, but whatever's clever, dude. I'm moving, you know. So I don't know if I want to get all the way into this because I don't want to fast tracks uh, fast track some shit. But so you are uh, you're starting you're starting to come. All right. So you're like I'm gonna be a filmmaker. This is what I want to do. So you start trying to write oxymorons or is that how so you oh and then you got into i come up with the idea in jail because i see it on i see how vicious it is and that a story happens where my buddy's bringing in the pills and he's in protective custody pc which yeah, you know yeah. what i mean and i'm like but this kid don't it'll be like if i seen you i'll be like yo stiz why are you in pc dude like right. like yeah. there's nothing wrong with you you're a solid kid you got no weird crimes or anything and he's like i got something going i got something going and so like 
PC was here and the workers unit was here with me and my other friend Charles were and we couldn't figure it out. And then he we'd seen him in like the library or something and he told us or told us through some told us through somebody at the library that he had the cop bringing him in the OCs. And so we were trying to get him over to the unit with us, obviously. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Which we were doing. So we get him over to the unit with us. We get him moved because I'm like, the dude's up in the middle. He can meet you however, you know? He had a, bottom line, he had a cop bringing him in. Yeah. And then all these pills were supposed to come in and everyone's going to be living lovely on, you know, food, cigarettes, drugs, money, whatever. Ramen and noodles. All that, yep, all that bullshit. And Squeeze, I hate it, dude. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> all that. It's like Make haunting. a batch. Yo, that's but, what they do, bro. They take a, a trash bag, yeah, just put mad disgusting. ramen noodles, yeah. fucking so salami, fucking, fucking a, squeeze cheese, a, crushed up Doritos, and just cook it. That's it. Such that's, a peasant way to live. You know what I mean? <laughs> the fucking the batch, I went bro. From the, I went from a catering on a, a mini series with Jane Curtin to bags of Doritos and fucking ramen <laughs> Spicy soups. Uh, um, my sodium level jacked. You know. So um, you see this shit. So, you so see I see this it, shit so I in see jail. It. So I, so this so he's got the guy bringing him in. The guys the guy doesn't come in. So everyone's in a panic. Make a long story short, the CEO that was bringing him in for my friend dies on overdoses on the stash. Mm. And they go to the house. They find all the stash. They get my buddy. They ch and I'm like, dude, you can't write this shit. I gotta start writing all right? this. And as I'm writing all this, I get out and it's almost like I put myself in this world deeper in a weird way to know that I was writing a story. So like, I wasn't finished yet with my street life at the time, which yeah. led me up to the cliff, which yeah. led me up to, a, you know, even more to my story, obviously. Um, in the Phoenix article, it, it stretched, how that happened, and it, you can't even read it now, but how it happened was stretched out from a period of time when I was in drug court, before I fell off the cliff, to after I fell off the cliff, and that's when I started working with the government for yeah so that's what the that's what the i was gonna ask you that next because i just yeah i don't give a I fuck dude people don't understand and can't so let, you, well so let me ask you because because like i said a lot of people might be unfamiliar with the story whatever so i'm reading something right now it says upon release hickey went to work for the federal government helping law enforcement expose and incarcerate some of the most nefarious uh oxy dealers in the, in the country yeah, well, is that a true statement yeah uh, i wouldn't say oxy deals yeah so it's not oxy dealers in the country it's um, Oxycontin on the East Coast. Um, the also the um, someone that was working with Purdue Farmer at the time indicted um, for doing it in other ways outside of like street dealer stuff. Also took down over twenty five hundred guns um, coming in over the Canadian border through uh, Minneapolis up on the Mississippi River. I traveled the country taking down things that. I, I was given these. And this is like believe it or not, I don't give a fuck what you you know what I mean. Make a movie about it. I was right. living under different identities in different places with my daughter, not witness protection. You go on U.S. District Court, if I'm a, like the rat that, you know, people want to throw that label on me because so, of what yeah. I did, but let's do it. You can go on the U.S. District Court, and no matter if I was a confidential informant, secret informant, whatever kind of rat snitch, stool pigeon that there is, right, there would be documents that don't protect me in the U.S. District Court or even in the state court system that you can publicly look up that would say, Johnny Hickey sat on the stand and said, it was him. Uh, Johnny Hickey was the confidential informant in this case and gave us all the information regarding So you XYZ. never, point, so you never, pointed, never pointed the finger. Never pointed the finger. Wait you, a minute. And if you find something like that, slap me in the face. So I want to say a couple things. Like, one, um, you know, some people do say, Hickey's a rat, Hickey's right. a rat. And say, who do you rat on? And I, and I wanted to <laughs> bring who? you I wanted to bring you up here, no bullshit, to tell your side of the story. Because when I first met you a couple years ago, I told you straight up. I said, oh, yo, absolutely. I've heard some shit about you, but you know what? I'm going to take a chance because I was just a fan of oxymorons. And I said, I'm going to judge you off 
how how you come off to me. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna take someone else's word, whatever, whatever. Which and, is what real people do. At and the end so of the day. and 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 I will say that you know to this point you've you know you've never fucked me. Anything you said that you were gonna do, you've done. Um, except for the Gyllenhaal thing, you motherfucker. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Uh, yeah. I'm saying, I'm looking at your IG right now. Now you're kicking it with Jake Gyllenhaal, all these celebs yeah. on your IG, and you know. But so, but wait, so hold on. But so, um, so yeah, so that article uh, in the Phoenix said, you know, Farone's like, yo, I meet Johnny Hickey. He has ten IDs, all fake IDs. Minneapolis, Illinois, fucking Iowa, Ohio. And you know, says that you know you were you know you told him that you were working for the government, bringing down different people. Um, so is so you said that's true. You asked him that. How the fuck did that even happen? Like, how, how did you someone? You want that story? I'll give you this. I mean, I don't I, need no, the I'll whole it, thing. No, I'll give it to you. Like, I'm gonna try to break it down as quick because it's so long, and that's why I said it ties in from before the cliff and during the cliff. Basically, I'm doing the raves. I'm involved in the K and the E. And I'm doing raves up on Route 1 at the Diplomat. I'm doing raves in Rhode Island. I'm doing, shout out the Diplomat. Right, shout out the Diplomat. <laughs> right, so I'm doing these all-night rave parties. I'm crushing making money off door fees places. So I'm making money legitimately on top of being involved in the drug scene. I robbed some dudes for a bunch of K from Rhode Island. Shout out to them dudes, wherever they're at. Like, these, this is what I was commonly known to be drug dealers for a long period of time. So a lot of people that talk trash and throw Stick stuff on me, kid. yeah, the same people that if they see me in a club or a bar and everywhere I walk with my head held high in this fucking city, they come up and they high five and hug me, and then you're looking at them like, yo, you fucking saying you was, and I laugh in my head. So you I, don't have any, so you never have issues with like people but, roll up and you like, yo, this dude's a snitch, like, what's up? I'll fucking light somebody up if they step but to me. I and don't they know but I'm that. saying, but you haven't had, you haven't no, come no, across no, that? No, no, I've been to a few parties where people like try to get big mouth. Not because of that, but that's their like that's their way out to get everybody on their side somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I've had my deals, but like a lot of things is the way you know the way. And what happened? The way shit gets written. I like I read that and I think oh snitch. Like if I don't know you. right, because, exactly. You know what but I didn't write that. You know what I mean? They, right, they're right, taking right. bit. This person's taking bits and pieces off of what Farone wrote and what I tell in this and writing their own their own thing. You know what I mean? I could probably pull a hundred like things that you know about me right now that are factual that are wrong in that article. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's. No, I know journalism how, I know is how that loose. Goes. Yeah, you know, every it's just the same thing as them like saying yeah. stuff about Trump or politics or whatever. It's no different with well, me. It's you're just, right. You're right. This is my story. If people want to believe there's two sides, three sides, whatever, I don't care. This but is, you were working for the absolutely. FBI to help uh, FBI, down. ATF, DEA, all all across the federal government. Okay. But what I was doing was definitely different than I wasn't like. Where and why is it? I was going into different places where they couldn't figure stuff out, and I was figuring out how things were done for them. And then in return, I would get 13% of anything seized, and I was getting paid out cash. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, which is how I got $50,000 saved and left. I wasn't in which and came back and made a movie in the streets of Boston, where I'm from, like right from that. So how much of a snitch am I really like back? Still, it's not. Well, this shit came full circle. No, like. and there's mad people with me all the time that are street people that have done crazy stuff that I know about that are still my friends and still roll with me and still trust me more than anybody. Right. You know, the people that talk trash about me are just haters, or someone I robbed, or someone I right. fucked over in some sort of deal. And I have where those they people jump too. on the bandwagon. And with me, it's just way easier to be like, he's a fuck, no good, this, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever, right. whatever. And right, because I got to figure you came up with street they, kids. So, like, you were a street kid. You came up with street kids as uh, well. So, like, you got to think you're, you're not exactly going to be welcomed with open arms if. if Right. This is what so it really is. I'm, I'm going to bounce this story through you guys real quick to end this. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. want to stay in this too long. It's a long one, but, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's going to make sense. And again, either I'm a really good storyteller or this is somewhat the truth. I am doing the raves. I'm doing all, I, I get these kids. I want to call it my boy. I'm like, yo, 
They just jump me. I got to get out of here. You come get, and he pulls in, and this Cadillac all busted up white thing, and pulls in. And so I get in, and I just, I just get in with my boy. Like I'm just, I just need to get out of there. I just get on a mad beef. My sleeves ripped off my Where shirt. Where was this? At the diplomat. Oh, at the diplomat. Yeah. And. Yeah. He's like, all right, he starts to pull out, and there's a state trooper on the back of the lot, like where the gas station is or whatever. And this is on Route 1. On Route 1, yeah. And he's got, he's my, uh, my, yeah, boy, I have no idea. My, my, the kid I'm with's got a rejected sticker in his window. Whoop, whoop. Pull us over in the parking lot. I'm like, whatever. I haven't done anything wrong. You know what I mean? I'm a drug court. So, but I haven't done it. He's got an inspection sticker that's no good. Whatever. But they run my name, they run his name. My record at the time is way worse than his. They run our names together, and. They like get out of the car. So they get us out of the car and then they go over and they take the keys out of the ignition and start walking to the trunk, which is illegal. Illegal search and seizures against your Fourth Amendment right. So, but they do it all the time, anyways. And a lot of people don't even know that, that they don't have yeah. permission to sh- search a locked container, but they yeah. do. And, and so, but they're two rookie cops. I pick up on that right. It's a girl and a guy and they're rookies. They're young and they don't know what they're doing. They're just like, ooh, mm. we got we got them, you know? Right. And my boys just start sweating, like <sighs> pale sweating. And I'm like, like, what? How bad is it in the trunk? Like, is there a uh, dead prostitute in there? Like, right. what? Like, what Dirty. Is, and they pull th- fully loaded 35, a gun, another, like, two, three guns, over 100 rounds of ammunition, which was totally unneeded for the three guns he had in the car. And then, like, <laughs> stupid stuff, like a machete, knife, and, like, all this, like, stupid stuff. But now that we're getting, we're da- I'm done, because I'm in the car, I'm just as guilty, even though I'm not driving, it's mm-hmm. not my vehicle. And in my head, I'm like, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? And at the time, I knew that they were investigating the diplomat for an ecstasy ring. There was a huge, massive ecstasy ring that they were, like, people, like, knew about, like, on the streets. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was just like, all right. Make up the story, and I took the two cops, and I said, "Can I talk to you guys alone?" And they're like, "I'm like, please," and like, "Yeah," and I said, "Listen," I said, "This is my friend. He's just picking me up. I didn't know about anything. I'm an informant. I'm working for the DEA, and I'm here trying to bring down this ecstasy ring. That's why I'm here. I'm here doing buys, and they're like buying my fucking story, and I'm like, holy shit! How are they buying the story, right? Right? How are they buying this? And it's work. And they go over to my friend, and they're like, and he says the same thing. No, I just picked up, picked him up. He didn't know about what was in the trunk of the car. So they're like, well, who do you report to? Like, who's your person? The who's your contact in the DEA, sponsor, whatever they call it. And I said, in my head, the guy that was the head of the apprehension team, Lonnie Giordano. Shout out to Lonnie Giordano. He was the head of the apprehension team that hunted me down, mm-hmm. and when I escaped, um, had was leaving at the time because he was like up there. He brought me up to his office when they brought me back to the hole that I ended up in for escaping, and was like almost like in a way giving me props without but also like being a cop still about but how I lasted six days on the escape with a 24 hour yeah yeah exactly and then he and how he and he was bragging about how he was going on to become a DEA agent so I said Lonnie Giordano's your DEA agent and they're like out of where I'm like out of Essex County not sure I said and they go and they made it was a Sunday morning because it was a Saturday night that the rave was it was a Sunday they whoever they hit up on a Sunday back then said there is one Alana Giordano up in Lowell and I listened to it over the, like the thing that they were talking on and I'm like and they let me go and they're like report to your guy tomorrow and I was like okay damn so I leave I walk down route one through Revere to Broadway where I'm living at the time and can't believe that I just walked away from this cut short I got drug court Wednesday I go and show face anyways I don't have a dirty urine I get called before I go in there's an ATF agent and a DE agent in the car across the street they call my phone privately tell me to get in show me this whole folder on my escape and all this stuff and how I can make money working with them yada 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 at the time I'm like fuck that I'm a solid kid from Charleston I'm not doing that I'm I can't do that like no thank you guys I'm sorry and I go into drug court anyways and just fucking man up and like I'm gonna probably gonna get nabbed I go in and I don't get nabbed and they're like See, we could, and they call me up and like, yo, we could fuck with you, but we're going to give you a shot. That weekend, 
I get thrown off an 80-foot cliff. Oh, that was the, yeah. Not one of those motherfuckers, and you all know who you are in Germantown that threw me off the cliff, did I ever snitch on? And if I did, right. please bring it up and show me your charge for attempted murder and throwing someone off an 80-foot cliff for telling on you because it never happened, right? So I had Quincy police, state police investigating that in the hospital, telling them to shush, and then I had those same two guys and maybe one other third guy that was with them that had met me in the Impala at drug court after I made up that whole story, came to visit me in the hospital. And they're like, you know, when you get out of here, if you're able to, maybe you should think about what we talked about. Drug court at the time is like pissed that I can't come to drug court, but can't do nothing because I'm in the hospital yeah. crippled. So they put a bracelet on me. Okay. And after I get thrown off the cliff for my boy who, you know, is back, I'm just living this shitty life and didn't even stay in the hospital, try to take the money out of my pants. I got thrown off a fucking cliff for this kid and he's trying to take the money out of my pants while I'm in a coma to go get high. And it just, it made no, I came out of that state in the hospital very different and was like, yo, fuck all this shit. And then the kid who got pinched with the guns, I know the lawyer, I got him the lawyer. The same lawyer beat my cousin's gun charges years ago in Charlestown for an illegal search and seizure, illegal search and seizure in a duffel bag. And he's telling me, even though he's, you know, whatever, that this dude's trying to flip it on me because they want to flip it on me because I walked away from it. Like that's what the, and he's like, but you'll beat it in court because a trial, but he didn't want to take it to trial. So I'm like all yeah. these rules and all these things that I believe in. It's just, a lot it's, going on. It's right all there. a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. It's just a bunch of bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't agree. Like if you get caught and me and you get caught robbing a bank, like I shouldn't tell on you to get an easier time. You shouldn't tell me. Right. But at the end of the day, like when they're, when they're grabbing people and putting their whole life in front of them and they flip, you can't even say shit unless you've been, Faced with your yeah. whole life being thrown down the toilet, you can say, "Oh, yeah. I would never." You know what yeah. I mean? And the but guys, you know what? and the guys, the and the would. guys that are saying, the majority definitely would, especially with, especially with the heroin, majority does, especially yep. with the habit. You know what I mean? I never did anything like that. What I said was, you know what? Why don't I give these guys a shot and see what it's all about and see if I can make money and really turn my life around? And I did. I went to something called the uh, CI Fire Program. You can try to look it up. Catch me if you can. Leonardo DiCaprio. I break it down like that. And then 25 people in the history of the United States from when I went in were, had ever done this, had ever been hired by the government because they were more intelligent than what they were doing on the streets and try to use them for something to for the government to do right. what they were doing. And that's what I did. So it's like the same type of situation with the Leo yeah, shit. And yeah. I was never, yeah. but I was never, I wasn't in it because I was in trouble. I was voluntary, and anytime I wanted to leave, I could. But most people don't. They end up getting everything paid for the rest of your life. Your apartments, you know, you, even when you're done working with them, if you stay in with them, everything's paid for. You don't have to pay for anything but the food you eat. You know what I mean? And you save money and whatever. That's crazy. You I didn't to, know that. And that I said, I, I saved up 50 grand. you moving around and everything. I was in Denver, and I was like, making the movie deals at the same time, like via email with people, and bounced and came back and made oxymorons. And that's the story. Crazy. And if anybody wants and to ask anything in between, I, whatever, you so know? The, I mean, that's a crazy story. And now he's now he's taking pictures with Fat Joe and Jake Gyllenhaal. And, you know what I'm saying? It's like... So, uh, oxymorons, Jesus, we're already 46 minutes. We're on, at 46? On, yeah. Yo, I mean, this is a good one. We can keep yeah, going. Yeah, we this. might have to. I'm only worried about the video. It's going to chop it. I, I'm almost thinking, like, should we do a part two with him? Um, we can or, always have him come back, too. But, uh, I mean, but I feel like we're in well, the mode. Like, we should just finish it. Yeah, whatever you guys want to do, I'm down, dude. You know, I'm, I, We should just try to finish this. I mean, even if it... We'll see where such it goes. No, and I'll tell you what, in all these... Interviews I've done, it's always been such a time frame that I can't get my story exactly. in. You know that's what I mean? I'm problem, like yeah. still filming a documentary about my story that's not done. You know? Right. So, so 
All right, so now how do you start to make oxymorons? It's not easy to make a fucking movie. So Shut once up. you have an idea and you have, like, how do you, li- you know, Dude. how do you really start putting the pieces together Shut and and up. and getting some action done? So, but you know, so after the after the cliff, I end up um, at the Comedy Connection. So wait, but so all right, but you so you stop doing this thing for the government. At some point, yeah, um, you saved fifty G's. No, it, it wasn't it was so real quick with the government thing. It wasn't an overnight thing. It wasn't like, hey, yeah, I want to snitch, and like next day, like I was signed <laughs> up, like an informant. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I had to take tests. I had to go to like three different federal buildings. I had to get flown out to New York and back, and like wait to get approved almost a year before they actually put me in this thing and started paying me money. So for that amount of time, I was still home in Boston and had yeah. to do the. And I was trying to get involved with this thing, so I could not fuck up. So I like. Got into Bunker Hill Community College for communications. Got a job at the Comedy Connection as a door guy making ten dollars an hour. Why just, did you get a job at the Comedy Connection? My cousin Mike, um, who worked there when I was a kid, would always have pitches on his like a board like this actually, but like a you know cork board yeah. kind, but like this kind of yeah. thing is funny. And he had pitches pinned up from like the early nineties with like Jim Carrey, Jamie Foxx, this one, all these people that were like really good stand up comedians at that point in time, but were now massive actors in Hollywood. I said, that is the only way that I'm going to get myself in front of the people that I need. If I could do it around criminals and pretend to be way more of a criminal than I am and all this stuff, then I can definitely get in with these people and charm them and tell them my story and hopefully they like me. What else? What what other way am I going to go to Boston Casting and try to be the pizza guy every couple months? Shut up, Boston Casting. I'm definitely trying to be the Boston. I'm definitely trying to be the pizza guy. And and Boston Casting's been very good to me, so I'm not knocking them. Angel Perry's awesome. They're all awesome down there. But but that wasn't the way to for me where I wanted to be and where I am now to get there. You know what I mean? That was just a a very small part of the rhythm. So you you were just a fan of the comedy shit in general. Yeah. Well. It, I mean, who doesn't love comedy, exactly, right? Yeah. You know, for but me. But you were just trying to get a, a, laugh a is quick the be- way laugh to... is the best medicine. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I've gone from this horrible street life to now I'm having Jay Bird, my daughter. I'm having her. She's being. I'm working at the Comedy Connection. I'm making a real check every week. I'm getting paid, and I love going over there and hanging with comedians and networking. And, and this comedian knows someone that has a camera, and this, and right. I'm I'm building this whole network from like the streets now to cameras and Lenny Clark and Dennis Leary shout and out Lenny. shout out to Lenny was the first person who read oxymorons when it was like 30 40 pages of scribble but loved it and gave it to Dennis Leary's people at Apostle Pictures that were doing um Rescue 911 mm-hmm. and one of Dennis Leary's writers worked with me via email and taught me how to write a screenplay how to download um cell text for free and utilize that and how to like start something in ten- all this like this like basic formula of screenwriting mm-hmm. So thanks to Cell Text is a uh, is like a program that you use to write screenplays. Correct. When he yeah. sent me the screenplay, yeah. that was the first time I had. A, I never knew what the fuck it was until right. yeah. It's a great. It's great software. That was the first script I ever read. Anyway. Also, that just it makes it super easy yeah, for you to yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it's just it, it like sets puts the, it in yeah. that format. You know what I mean? It's not that hard to write. I mean, you you guys write music, so you guys yeah. know what that's like, right? So a screenplay is only eighty to hundred pages of a story in your yeah. head. You know what I mean. So yep. you, it's just a matter of sitting your ass down and writing the shit and making it bomb and editing and, and getting it to where you want to be. You know, a lot of people have great ideas and they don't do it. I did it, and I and I used every connection around me in the comedy world to make this screenplay. I was getting articles in the Dig, and I was on Maddie in the Morning about a screenplay, not about a movie that was made. I was right, all right, right. over the media like for when a does screenplay. That yeah. That never happens. Frank Santarelli, shout out to Frank. Um, he's from exactly. Ohio. He's a comedian. Oh. 
but he was the bartender on The Sopranos at the Bada Bing. Uh, Georgie was his character's name. He was mm-hmm. always at the Bada Bing, the bartender. Mm-hmm. And he I never it. watched Sopranos. He's like, I gave, him I, the, I gave him the screenplay. At the same time I gave him the screenplay, Patty Ross was on, and I said, Patty, I'm writing you as, as the mother in this. I'm changing the name to Patty. You're going to play the mother when I make this movie. Like, it was like an inside joke, but like, I'm watching Patty Ross on stage. And I'm like, man, she's the best Boston woman ever, like, to play a mother. This was, and I had all these ideas in my head. And he's like, I'll see what I can do. And he went out to, uh, you know, record in wherever they were recording, Los Angeles and New York, I think. And shortly thereafter, James Gandolfini got at me through Frank Santorelli. He's like, I want to come back and to Bo- I want to come over to Boston and talk to you about oxymorons. He flew in from New York. Wow. Wanted to meet at the Kowloon because he was into Chinese food and had heard so much about the Kowloon. Shout, we- out, Shout Kowloon. out to Kowloon. Now, if, uh, if you yeah. want to advertise yeah. your service or yes, product, on, please I stuck on stuff <laughs> and, at Gmail. And, at, and now at the Kowloon, at the Kowloon, that's where I was running the second comedy club for the Comedy Connection. Faneuil Hall had bought them out yeah. at the time. So this is my comedy stomping ground, and now I'm walking in with James Gandolfini in front of the Wongs to have lunch. They're like, Dope. you know, so it just everything just became like re- like. That just him coming and saying he was interested in it. He wanted James Gandolfini, God rest his soul, wanted to buy oxymorons, make it about four or five kids in New York City, and bring another writer in on it. And I would have nothing to do with he it. He wanted but, a Hollywood. Yeah, I'd get like right. I'd get like fifty grand up front and a little less than fifty grand up front, and then fifteen points on the back end. And see, that, that happens that with a lot of these movies. Is they'll take the screenplay and they're like, oh, make it their I'll own. Take option it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to do it in New York though. We'll make them be New York kids and this and that. And, and what is that 15 points on the back end? That means 15, 15% of all sales on the back end, meaning after, after it's after out, everything, after, after DVDs, the invisible after, marketing budget and yeah. everything. So yeah. you're not seeing so you ain't seeing that for if any, years. No, I'm going to owe money at the end of the day, right. most likely. It's yeah. like really how it is, you know? And for me, Oxymorons was such a passionate piece for me. It was loosely based on all these different, my, my loosely based on my life, but deeply based on everyone's life around me too. And I had to switch people around and make like, you know, a girl character story, a guy character, so that that person in my head couldn't come at me and say, oh, you used you me, took, and yeah, 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 like in my family, whatever. So, I, and I had to learn how to do all that as I'm, you know, creating Oxymorons, the screenplay. But now Gandolfini comes, and that gave me this, like, rite of passage, you know what I mean? And it gave me some attention, and then I went on the road. Now, the, the same thing, the government picks me up on Route 1 at the residence inn, and... I'm out making money, like all over the country. While I'm making money over the country, my childhood friend David Burns is now moved to Vegas and become this huge. You know who Dave? Google David Burns. You know exactly who this is. Real no. World Seattle. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Real World. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he plays my yeah. brother in Oxymorons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David's oh, right, one of my right. best friends. Yeah. What's his last name? Burns. B U R. Yeah. That's right. Your people's with CT, right? CT's one of my best friends, dude. We and CT have been friends since we were like six years old. Like, he grew up on the bricks. He don't even brag about it at all. He pretends like he's from Methuen, where he moved to when he was like six. Told you, I heard he was from Methuen. That's right. He did move there. But okay, he, yes. he grew up as a child with me until he was a teenager in the bricks on Decatur Street his whole life. He's a yeah. project kid all day long, you know, and, and moved on to this, you know, crazy stuff that he's doing on TV, obviously. But so, yeah, I'm a big fan of this. I, but, I fuck with the challenge and all that shit. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, so, yeah, we can so get into all that, too. picks David you, Burns. boom. So I'm out. Yeah, so now David Burns, I'm, he's one of the few people that I trust to tell this stuff to, so he knows what's going on. While I'm on the road, I bump into a comedian at a hotel in Indianapolis, Shane Moss, that was in the Phoenix article, yes. that I see, and I hate what I'm doing in Indianapolis, I don't wanna be there, but I'm doing it, and I wanna get out, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna be here for seven months, I can't do this, I'm gonna leave. 
And then, but if you see anybody you know that knows you, you, you got to let them know. And then you got to, well, you get, no, they got to move. You did yeah. shut it yeah. down or whatever. Yeah. So I'm going into my hotel room. I mean, into the hotel. I'm saying that there's a like town place suites or whatever. I don't get it though, Johnny. Like you literally just go to a fucking city cold. They drop you in fucking Indianapolis. Yep. You do not know anybody. How the fuck? That's the fuck? only way. That's the only way for them to safely put somebody in the yeah, way. Yeah, but that... how the fuck do you even get in with top people? So, uh, like, I'll give you an example. You want an example? Yeah. Well, so Indianapolis. I'll just finish this story real quick. I want to get out of there, and I walk in, and there's Shane Moss, a comedian that I was dealing with the comedy connection every week, and I'm like, "What's so up, Shane?" I'm like, "Let's go have a beer, dude." There you go. Yeah. Boom, I'm out. They gotta go to St. Louis, kill some time. Don't do anything. I'm just like on a hold there, and then I go to Minneapolis where these Somalian dudes. Uh, Bringing in all these automatic weapons and and stuff and other stuff over the they, well they they don't even know how they just know they're getting it, and they need a way to like they want all like all I'm supposed to do in some situations is not even be on the ground meeting you or you I'm just supposed to be giving it from my perspective of a criminal and where I've been on the streets and what I think how are they getting that how are they doing that what do you think about it was a lot of that it was a lot oh, of me just being yeah. in a room with seven people. And being like, what do you think of this? What does a red baseball cap mean? What does it mean if people are wearing, you know, their shoes this way? Like all this the weird street questions that yeah. they don't know. There's no at the time like it's MySpace. Like Facebook isn't huge yet. There's a lot of stuff that still isn't known. You know, mm -hmm. as we move on and technology grows, it's easier for anyone to find out anything about it. But this is a point in time where it's still not there quite yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it'd be the stupidest things and. To the point where I'd be like, yo, just put me here and let me do this and I'll make this happen. And you can't use a car that you seized from that group of people because they're going to remember that that car was the dealer car. It's got the same bumper sticker on it. And you guys are doing buys in it now as agents. You're retarded. Right. You know what I mean? And they look at me and be like, oh, my God, he's right. And I'd be like, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> like literally, like I'm not even, dude, like that. And so I was like, I know that the Somalian dudes, were, they were all into the the women, like models, like these like tall, lanky, like women and things. So I was like, get me a bit. I wanted a business. I, I was, I started like just saying, what can I get out of this? What are they willing mm -hmm. to do? Like, and you put in these like proposals pretty much and they come back with a yes or a nay go through like three people. And I was like, I need a business. I need a modeling business to bring in models. Right. So I can get my smash on. And these dudes will, I'll start doing these like runway model shows. It was called Posh Management out in Minneapolis. And I was doing these modeling shows where all these dudes were coming in. And, and having their meetings around the world. It wasn't like going to a strip club, but that was they wanted these fancy, like, fake-ass runway shows. And I knew that the, the housing development on the other side of the Mississippi River in Minneapolis is, I don't know why, and I couldn't figure out, like, the history books or anything, but at some point we took a bunch of Somalian people and we just dropped them there. And we built mm -hmm. the buildings like, like they look in a third-world country. It's very odd. They're like these pink and blue, weird, like, the colors and stuff. And it's just like... You don't hear about it or see it on the news, but it's just like drug written and like grimy, like gross. And they don't do anything about it, but they were smart. And what they were doing was they were, everyone was like, how was the, the, the big problem was the guns. All these guns, 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 guns was the big issue huh. because they don't want all these guns with Somalians. Because you got a bunch of Somalians that are from Somalia <laughs> running around with guns. Right. You're going to have issues. You know what I mean? They're if already pirates, bro. Right, right, right. So ship breaks off. I'm your captain yeah. now. <laughs> so, ship, so ship breaks off. You're in trouble. You know what I mean? And I was like, how are they doing it? And I realized that, that I started doing some research and the same thing they did, they would filter people into Canada. You know what I mean? So Canada is like Canada, but there's all this weird stuff up in Canada too that we don't even know about because we're never there. And so their people up there were literally sending stuff down 
And they'll take a loss on things the same way that drug cartels take a loss on something coming over the border. And they would send things down on these rafts. They would build these like giant rafts that underneath the rafts would have drugs, guns, whatever they were sending down, weighted. And they would come down the river mocked. And they would know they would have a time like frame of like how long it took something based on the river current to come from up by Canada down and in hit Minneapolis within like a 72-hour window pretty much. Where they There's set up, a they, fucking river or something? That Mississippi from, River, yeah. Oh, Mississippi <laughs> river. That place. M-I-S-S-I. I never, never would have thought Mississippi so, ran to fucking Canada. So I was I was staying at the residence inn. I had like a two-bedroom there. And I, dude, I shit you not. I'm trying to figure this out for them, right? And I go out to the, I'm on the other side of the river now. The river's wide, you know what I mean? But you mm-hmm. can see the other side and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like the Charles in, in a way, mm-hmm. but parts of it are smaller. And, um, I'm over. I'm over at the residency, and I walk over to the pier, and I'm smoking. A, I'm smoking a bowl, right? I'm smoking, and I look. I look over, and I see a bunch of Somalian dudes in the middle. Like it's gonna be like one in the morning out there, and they got these like whale hooks, and they're grabbing buoys and stuff. And I'm like, what are they doing? Mm. And that's, dude, that's literally how I figured it out. And they investigated that, and they ended up getting. I got an award for that. I got like a medal at my house. Um, but it was, I think, 2,500 automatic weapons on one of the rafts. Wow. So, so you if you want to call me up. a snitch for that, whatever. Like, I don't, whatever. And I got a shitload of I got like 10 grand for that. And then I went to Denver. And I was doing stuff in Denver. And at the time, by that time, I had been talking to Bernsey. And he was in Vegas running this media company. And I started going and driving to Vegas and working with him at these, working these events in Vegas back and forth. He's from an old one, 98. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was '98. I, I remember that. I remember crazy. watching his season. And uh, and so I'm like, and they, the the big joke, like with the company at Nine Four Four Magazine, all these dudes remember and 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 come, you know, back up the story because it was so funny. Well, all these kids like run like the Hakistan now and like all these clubs, but all these kids in the media company were doing these Nine Four Four Magazine event parties. Like Jay Z was at it, Rehab, Poopa, and I would the joke would always be is like, who's Johnny coming in, in as? Oh, he's coming in as this as this name. And that wow. would be the name of my laminates and shit. Yeah, and it yeah. would disla- And that was my story in these pool cabanas with these people. That's how I fit into Vegas as this lo- lunatic, you know what I mean, personality. Like, it just, right. it, was, it was so bizarre. Um, but, but anyways, in Denver, there was some stuff going down that I didn't want to get, my, I'm not going to deep into that because I, I really can't, but I didn't want to get involved in it. And I said, this is my time. This is my time to dip out. I got, and at the time I was going to Vegas, I had met Forrest Griffin. He was going to play Monster. He dipped out because he beat Rampage Jackson. They wanted $30,000 a week. So while I'm like working with the government, I'm doing all these like deals for the pregame for the movie. And and I said, you know what? I'm going to go back. I got Tim Sylvia to play Monster. I got a red one camera with a Chilean DP attached because this red camera is this huge thing. Mm-hmm. So if I can get that, that, and I can get another 50 grand. All these dudes in the North End that I knew um, from living there when I was working at the Comedy Connection, were always like wanted to be a part of oxymorons because of the Gandolfini thing. They would pay dudes that were like extras right. in in the Sopranos to come to their restaurant. So I got all these restaurant owners in the North End to invest and match me the fifty grand. So now I had a hundred thousand dollar budget to make the movie. And I come crashing in, and I get because of my relationship with the government and because of these things that that I had now done and went from being a shitbag criminal to this stuff, I had connections to get a jail for free where the sheriff was like, here's the master keys. So I went from a kid that was pissing in the urinal to pissing in the urinal and having the master key to the jail in my hand and being like, dude, holy shit, how powerful is your mind that you went from being a criminal thinking your life was never going to be good and it was over to you have the master key to another county jail down the Cape 
to shoot your movie in. Because you shot that in Bonstable um, County Jail. Bonstable County Jail. The old jail. They yes. gave me the key for free, dude. And that's LB. Equi- do you know how much equity that is? And then I and then LB. So I hit LB up, right? LB, I loved because LB came to my school, the Eddies in Charlestown when I was a kid. He had a broken he had a broken leg, and he let us all sign his cast. And that's I just dope. thought he had a curly hair, and I just thought he was like the coolest like hockey player, fighter dude. Yeah, you know? LB. Yeah. And so he was doing radio stuff, and I said, I need to put as many people in this movie that have some value and can act, but you know they're not A-list actors because I can't afford A-list actors for right. this budget. My A-list character is Oxycontin at this point in time. Well, and even getting like the jail and all that shit, like we know from trying to shoot music videos and shit, getting actual on-site like locations is the toughest Dang fucking people thing. People can say, and, and that's, schools, and that's, churches. Hospital, all this shit, it's not easy. No, and, and people can say, again, what they want about me, people hate me, but people who respect me, and even the people who hate me and, and people that have questioned me, like, one thing you can never take away from me is that I'm a natural born hustler. This, we just shot in Westboro Lunatic Asylum, the horror movie, and Tewksbury. Right, so you, you, you know essentially what I mean? hustled like, your yeah, way in, that's not into easy, having as you that, know. the yeah. keys to use that. Yeah, like, and it was super official. I was, I'd be the first one to say, I said it in the Dig article that they did on Habit, which is the movie that I did with Hickey over last winter. I had never been on something where there was trailers, there was fucking catered food every day like i got paid to act right. like shit was super official what what is up with that with then with that next situation with habit and well, then also how can i get down with future endeavors <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> but real quick so just w- before you get into habit just finish oxymoron so, 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 the, so the, all these italian guys this this is what my story dude it's so crazy i'll so, do two more hours so, with him so you ready to get you ready to get weird now you ready to get real weird so i grew Always. up i grew up fatherless in charlestown i don't know my dad my dad's name was victor and he made pizza at Francesco's with his brother Jerry in 1982. Had a one night stand with my mother. That's all I know about him. Okay, Francesco's that's in the it. north then. Yep. To this day. Yep. And that's all I know about him. I come back. Damien DePaulo, who plays um, Greco in the movie, the, the cop. cop, the bad cop. Greco ends up being the the matching name to my father, Victor. I never knew his last name. Greco. The reason I know my father's last name now is while I'm sitting with Damien, who's his guys are investing fifty grand to match my fifty to make the movie, and as long as he can play a cop and all, then get a producer's credit, all this stuff, of course, um, is like you remind me, you remind me of someone, and I'm like in my head, I'm like, oh my god, did I rob someone he knows? <laughs> uh, what uh, what did I do in the North End that he, you know, and that's in my head, and I'm like, I didn't do anything in the North End. I was always right. behaved here, so. He doesn't know me from. You no, know, you know I'm from Charlestown. He's like, no. He's like, you know what it is? You remind me of my friend Victor. My friend Victor. And I, in my head, I'm like, nah. That's but in my head, crazy. I'm like, but crazy. I'm like, you know what? Whatever. Because your life is at this point insane, Johnny. So you might as well just spit it out. And I said, you know what? My dad's name was Victor. I never knew him, but he made pizza. And he goes, ah, the me. He's like, you. Your mother, the girl from Charlestown, I find my father through oxymorons, dude, that I never met in my life. All right, I'm getting goosebumps telling wow. the story. That's I find my grandmother, crazy. all my aunts. Jay's, you know, young at the time, so she gets to be. But the thing about my dad, per, like I get my meet my grandmother, my uncles, everybody. But my dad was deported before I was like before I was born. He was my dad in ended trouble. up being deported too, back to wow. Canada. Wow, see, we didn't even know that. So he got deported back to Italy, and my great grandfather. you got to be Italian. Yeah, so my. Not my grandfather, but my great grandfather. So his grandpa, my dad, mm-hmm. was the capitan of the in Naples in, in Italy, which is like almost like a political figure for the captain of the police. And he was so ashamed of my dad leaving, coming to the U.S. and you know, um, you know, doing crime and being a shithead, and never, you know, yeah. that he banished him from Naples, wow. and he had to go to London and become a chef in London. That. And out of all the awards that I win, making oxymorons, I win Las Vegas of all places. Yeah, what type of awards do you end up winning? For best Las- director, best for- new feature, 
from uh, from like v- where? V- Las Vegas Film Festival, New York Film Festival, Gig Harbor, Washington, and then I'm the only domestic film to get screened, meaning domestic, meaning U.S. film, domestic U.S. film to get screened that year at the Prince Charles Cinema for the Prince Charles Award. What's Where's that? In London, where my dad happens to live that I've never met. So I fly to London wow. for the first time, my first time leaving the country with this movie that's you know, in the Vegas Film Festival, getting ready to be released in Revere, where I've been seeing movies since I was a fucking kid, right? Mm-hmm. And on top of not me only going to Westchester Square to stay at the W to screen my movie in front of people from London, I'm meeting my dad for the first time. My dad's meeting me for the first time while his son's coming over to screen his crime drama God about damn. the with his best friend that he grew up with, by the way. That's the cop in the oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. Grab like, how man. fucking bananas is that, bro? That's you insane. know? Yeah, that is. That's crazy. And so that that's the oxymoron's, like, Tail and then oxymorons brings me down this because I yo uh, snuck. I don't know if you remember, but uh, when oxy dropped, like it was a big fucking deal. Like, I just remember always hearing it, yeah. Like, you know, it was just like it was like that thing everybody talked about, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it was about something crazy, you know, you know local, it's and, twisted, uh, bro. I was here at AAF, I came in to do the Hillman Morning Show with someone from my movie, I forget who it was supposed to be Tim Sylvia. But it wasn't. So I don't I forget what happened. But I was leaving here and I was like kind of bent on like the, the amount of time we got to shout out in the movie and stuff. Or whatever. But it's real. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. learning this stuff as I go along too, right. like how stuff works. You know what I mean? I don't know this media networking world. Yeah, like this is a 10 all, minute segment. This is something. a crash course, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it was not even, you know? It was just a quick, like, hey, yeah, he's here from the blah, 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 and Revere this weekend. Right. Yeah, bye. But I didn't get to do this. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. to do this obviously yeah. passionately. And I was leaving and I'm driving on Star Drive. My phone rings and it's this like lady. She's like, Hello, you know, I can't even do the accent, but she's like, you know, asking my name. And I'm like, who, like, is that like one of those, like, you know, weird calls for like, you want to cruise or some yeah. stuff and get credit card. And she's like, my name is Mariana Venzella. And I'm like this journalist. And I'm doing this thing for OxyCon Express 2. And we've seen your stuff and we want it. You, so they end up making me a part of the current TV documentary, OxyCon Express Gateway to Heroin, which was filmed in Boston and gave me a field producer's credit on that too. Hmm. And that, so now I'm on current TV at the time. I was owned by Al Gore and Keith. Um, Oberman, Oberman, is that his name? Yeah. Keith yeah. Oberman, Oberman, yeah, Oberman, yeah. Oberman. I fuck with that. And dude. and that was a big network. It was like a big. It was like the Vice kind of back then. And then Liz Bruna, Ferone, obviously, who always have the Dig, the Phoenix. All so I get all this like media shower in Boston, in New England, and nationally, actually, in, all over the world on current TV. Eventually, you know what I mean, because it goes you know viral. And I get a release in National Amusements. You know what I mean. Um, Revere Wubin yeah, and, and, and um, Randolph. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. I remember seeing the poster. I don't even know where, but a few times I would see the big ass Oxymorons poster. I would see, uh, I would hear people talking about it a lot. And I just never got to see it yet. It's crazy because I was supposed to see it. Uh, yeah, so like the DEAA. I'm going to let you borrow the DVD. We got the DVD. Yeah, I got right the, thing about, the, thing, the crazy thing about Oxymorons that some people still know is like the DEA agents that raid the house that are like the CERT team with the guns. Yeah. That was the real DEA. Agents from Boston in my movie um, with their real guns that I don't even know were loaded or not, kicking uh-huh. just to be in the movie with me and help me out because I and they not only did they believe in me but they believed in my the story of oxymorons. It's not glamorizing the street life. It's not glamorizing it's real drug life dealing. Story, yeah. It's not glamorizing getting high. It's it's showing the collateral damage and the the belly of the beast. And everybody kind of wanted to be a part of you know helping what is now even worse sadly yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so i mean it was from it is it is directly because of the oxy cotton epidemic why the heroin hep- epidemic is the way it is now absolutely I mean, a thousand percent. a thousand percent that's how i fucking got right it, you know 
So to watch that, you know what I mean? <laughs> I always feel like this need to keep oxymorons alive. And you did a great job with that. Dude, you my know, first I, I want to say dude, that too. Like, you, the movie is fucking good. The yes, movie is always good. It, it really is. I mean, for a fucking independent filmmaker, for for a, it's not uh, easy to shoot a music video, as you no, know. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like a feature film with jails, courthouses, makeup effects, guns, robberies, fights, and everything. I, my perspective looks on point. You know what I mean? It looks yeah. real. So Oxymorons comes out. It does really well. Uh, where, 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 where do you go now? So, you know, Oxymorons comes out, and this is this is kind of what hit me hard. Is some stuff happened to me after the release of Oxymorons, and you know, I got on Netflix, which is a big deal, but Netflix wasn't like the big payout that everybody thinks it is for an independent film. It's like sixty grand for your average indie film, and it's thirty what, up front. They give you, uh, I love thirty, up front, shit out 30 up front, and then thirty broken up over eighteen months. But now I'm paid everybody, like all my money, like from the cinemas and stuff, is done. You know what I mean? So I'm like living off the movie smallly, but I, but I own mo the percentage of the movie now yeah. myself. So that's a big deal to get that kind of money and, and get that. You know what I mean? Attached to your film. But that goes quick, dude. You know what I mean? And so everyone sees me on Netflix all over the country and right. thinks, wow, he's rolling now. So and because I, that's a one-time payout. One-time payout. And then they offered to, they'll offer to like, um, like keep your thing up there. They want to keep my movie on Netflix exclusively and not pay me, basically. And it was like, mm -hmm. hey, you get free P&A and you get to be known on Netflix. What's P&A? Like, you know, um, marketing. Like, you know, oh, yeah, to, yeah. to visibly see a film on wherever. Wherever yeah. Netflix is putting it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, so a P&A budget, you're... You, your budget for marketing and so you told him flat out no no i said give me oh, that oh yeah. give me that give back me that. and i went to hulu and hulu bought it they didn't buy it but i got a percentage of the views but okay. hulu is weak still you know what i mean like it, it yeah. was never like where it needed to be yeah, it never how, popped off the and then how does it get to where it currently is now where you were telling me and so i was i've been working with a distributed and i did a you know there's all these other <laughs> crazy stories in between all this where i become friends with tom sizemore and Tom puts me in a movie wow. called House Rules, and the writer of House Rules, Eric Weinstock, who's a dentist in Canton, his best friend or one of his friends is the VP at um, In Demand in New on York, demand? which on, In Demand oh. controls all the on-demands for every network and all the pay-per-views. So In Demand is the company, but then On Demand are the separate like Xfinity, yeah. which is the best. So out of all, out of like Comcast, Verizon. Um, Cox Cable, Time Warner. I'm, I'm thinking of all these other networks that I've been with in a channel of things, trying to get on. Comcast Xfinity is the biggest. There's 30 million subscribers in the country. So you get on Comcast, you're pretty legit. You yeah, know what I mean? That's the one, yeah. And this April, I finally got them to license oxymorons for seven years. So for the next seven years, 30 million people in the country have access to watch my movie. That's awesome. That's for so how amazing. much? For five bucks? Three ninety nine. For three ninety nine. Mm -hmm. Do you get any of that money? Dollar ninety nine. Half, mm -hmm. fifty Half fucking major. percent. So I'm working with this like social media duo out in New York called Media Thirty Three, and they do like they do um like social media for different like like some people like Wu Tang. I think like um I gave you a couple of the I'm not such RZA. a huge rap guy, but like, no, it wasn't RZA, but it was a couple of other people I mentioned. Ghostface Killer. Ghostface Killer. They yeah, do they, yeah, they yeah. do social media for these people. And um, Capone and Noriega, that was the yeah. other people that yeah, do stuff. Yeah. Nori, who has the biggest yeah. podcast in the game right so, now. Shout so out they, so these guys do stuff for all them, and, and now they're connected to Brandon Novak, who's Bam Majera's friend from Jackass and those shows, and he's out speaking against the opiate epidemic because of his stuff that just happened with it. I and was now, just telling Stiz so last week him, about the Bam Majera so, documentary. Yeah, so, yeah, I literally, exactly. so because of this social media company that I brought in on a sheer basis, I think the, like, usually they charge a huge retainer, and I said, hey, here's the deal, guys. I don't have time for this. Oxymorons is going on Comcast. I'm getting a dollar ninety nine a view. 
I'll give you 25 cents right. of view. You know what I mean? Like, I just like, broke it down with them, like, what we need to do to have them get push it, it. So they stop pushing it. But then, the, you know, they're connected to Novak. So they get me and Novak on a three-way. So now I had a conversation with Novak. Meanwhile, I'm on an MTV with CT, who's in my new film. And so that's yeah, that's what I want to talk about. I got finished the story, yeah, so, but then how did you? How but did so, you so have it? oxymorons filters me down now into like really, you know, what happened in between all that was I got caught up in the party and in the not like drugging, but like you know, getting in free everywhere, getting VIP tables, and being able to have connections with managers at nightclubs to get a night for a deal and make money off the bar and the door. And that became my hustle. And I was doing good. Like I was doing like a, a, a pool party every summer and a Halloween party. But then I'm like, dude, I'm not like making movies. What am I doing? You know what I mean? I'm, mm. I'm, all I care about is like everyone thinking I'm cool at a table with girls. Yeah. Like, psh, like wake up, dude. Like right. you need to get. And so I, I create habit. I create a few different movies, but habit was the most, made the most sense to move because horror movies are the easiest movie to market and sell. Mm -hmm. Every horror movie that comes out is not a huge budget and there's no names in most yeah. horror movies. Now horror movies become so popular that there are names in them, but at the time when horror movies come out, dating back in history, they were made without celebrities. A lot of celebrities started. Johnny Depp. Johnny started, Depp, yeah. Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. On Elm Street. That so, was his first movie. So Jesus Garcia plays the other guy with him, the one who's yeah, with the girl. Yeah. So he's my friend that I met at the Las Vegas Film Festival, was out in London with me. And, and didn't uh, Jennifer Aniston's first movie Leprechaun. was Leprechaun. She was in Leprechaun? Yep. Yeah. Kevin Crazy. Bacon. Ka Tremors. Was, uh, no, Friday the 13th. Kevin Bacon was in Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, but, oh, but, but like you said, all them horror movies, like the par Paranormal Activity, all these things, they, yeah. they shoot them for no money. They I mean, make those are ridiculous. Yeah, so they shoot them for nothing. Oh, yeah, and, look at Blair Witch. That right, was like, right, so right. So all you that, need that is something that you can market. So I'm, yeah. I've come in and made a film that not only is about drugs and horror, but also has an MTV. I've, through my connections through MTV, through my friend CT being on there, I've been able to attach him. And then I attached all these different girls that have been on the cha not the challenge. Well, one girl's been on the challenges. The other one's on Are You the One, and the other one's just on Real World Vegas. But they're all got an MTV. I watch Are You the One too. Thing. It's a great show. Is it? It's pretty good. Yeah. And then CT's been bringing me out to all these reunions and events, and I've been networking with you know MTV people and all his cast and crew and. Now they're all, now I'm friends with a girl from Wild and Out, Justine Valentine, the redheaded girl. The redhead, uh, she yeah. was the one I was telling you about last week that did the, um, the For the P challenge. Yes, so she I, did it for thought, the yeah, I yeah. thought you guys were so talking I can about say the same So I can person. say officially today, I can't say what track or anything, but I can say officially today that I'm directing her video in November now. That's so that'll dope. be my second music video coming off of Stizz's. So that's like, you know, it's like, you know, the cross promoting and everything is just huge. So I've been she's, able to. She's talented, yo. Yeah, I peeped her. She's talented. So yeah. I put my fa game face on, and I said, you know what, horror movie. I got investors to believe in what I was doing, put up the money. I got Westboro to give me permission to go in and film in this lunatic How much asylum. money do you, how much money, How? what was your budget? Like 100 grand, dude. 100 grand. But that's cash, and I should never say that. Like, you know what I mean? I should say 3 million, you know what I mean? Yeah. We should dump that because you don't want the buyers to know that what you, they're only going to try to give you what you're worth. Yeah. But my cover on that, all that always is the equity. You know what I mean? What would that have cost as an art department, that lunatic asylum? What would the right. cop uniform, you know what I mean? So in cash, it's yeah. It's grimy. Cash is grimy. grimy. That's you know a what big I mean? fucking fee. You know, <laughs> but see, all jokes aside, CT is massive on MTV, and yes. he's got yeah. three seasons on right now and another one coming out in two months. Like, that's, that's like massive. And <laughs> you know what I mean? So you now I'm attaching not only the MTV audience, but the horror audience, my cult oxymorons fans. So I got like, yeah. I have a bigger... Spectrum of how, where this movie can go right away, 
than what oxymorons had because yeah. i have the oxymorons people already and now i add mtv and horror to the mix and that's just two huge markets like and that's massive. how and that's how i end up meeting johnny he he starts to develop habit and then reaches out to me and is just like yo i've heard your music i fuck with you like we sh you know i'm doing this movie you oh, should just dope. come audition for so it so you just heard stiz and shit or you yeah and, and but i seen him too in like an article or something and oh, i was, yep. and and he Whoa. was and he's and it was a story about how he was from chelsea oh yeah and once old. i read that i'm like damn one of my cellmates was from chelsea and he was and he was like the only like white kid I knew from Chelsea. His name was Mikey Bernard, and he was a wicked solid kid, wicked good kid. I became good friends with him, and I and I was reading his story, and I was like, e even though it's about music and rapping yeah. and stuff, how much similar it was to mine, and how much okay. I respected somebody else. I'm not a hater. Like if anybody else is doing what I'm doing, yeah. and whether it's making movies or like no one's doing that. So a lot of people in the scene hate on me because I'm making movies and they're getting distributed. Or I'm getting money to make them, whatever it is. Yeah. But anybody who's doing it, and especially anybody who's if any, you're doing it in general, I don't care if you come from money. I give you props. But anyone who's doing stuff like that from the ground up and having I give you more props if you don't come from money though. That's yeah. No. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, yeah. No. I'm saying you know in the game of like money makes everything easier. So when you have Close. money, it's like. <laughs> You know what I mean? You can't say that you're a, a tear up from these guys that are like us coming from nothing right. and all odds are against us and we somehow are driven right through because if we had money, maybe it wouldn't make us the people we are to, to be very so true. talented, very I believe. True. But but to see your story, I was like, and to be right on the other side of the bridge and I was like, wow, I respect that. And I don't even know him, but I like instantly like had respect and, I re and then I- That's dope. Then so I, you, so then I searched him, him. Then I searched, no, I searched him and I listened to some of his, I'm like, wow, this is actually- I'm not even a big rap dude, and I like this. Like reminds me of like yeah. I hate to say it reminds me of Eminem, dude, but that's I know, dude. Yeah, I know, no, it I know it, yeah, but it's it like it that's like saying to me, that's like saying to me, your movies remind me of like Quentin Tarantino's. So, right, and I would respect. Right, yeah, yeah, it's a compliment, yeah, yeah. dude. It's not trying to say that you're yeah, 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 trying to course, be like him, dude. To do what you're doing is amazing, and I think. it... I mean, it's you want to get compared to somebody like that as opposed to getting compared to fucking Yeah, it just had that vibe, you know. Just instantly is what I thought. I was like, oh, and he's just you know in his story, and he's a horror dude too. Right, he was looking to do a horror. Yeah, right. and he talks about all this like little bizarre stuff. Right? Yeah. And then I and so I do the f next thing that I do whenever there's someone in the hip hop world or rap world that I'm is reaching out to me or I'm trying to get in touch with, uh, you know, network with. As I reach out to Farone and I say, "Yo, what's up with this dude? He legit, you know." What I mean? And Farone's like, "You know, had nothing but great things to say about you." So that instantly like put you like on a top shelf in, in my, you know, the network, you know. And then Word. me and you talked and. And you had said you had said that same thing to me. Yo, people yeah. talk trash about you, but I'm gonna judge you for me and you, your relationship, not whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I respect that. Dude. I respect yeah. you not pretending that you didn't hear stuff, and I respect that you wanted to be your own man and not let other people cloud your judgment because right. they just don't want to see you grow and network and yeah. segregate yourself from people that potentially you could do amazing things with. Right. You know? And uh, we created what I think is gonna be a very dope project. I mean, I, I really can't wait do. to see that. Yeah. yeah I so mean, I, that's the thing is, I told him, you know, my next project, I will keep you in mind. I think you'd be a great. That's the other thing is, I seen his video where he's like a character, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. Stiz Grimy. And I'm like, this is like legit. Like this, yep. he, I, there's something there. You know what I mean? So I said, next film I do, I'm gonna bring you on and. He's probably like, yeah, whatever, dude. You know, people say so. And sure enough, we met at a coffee shop, and I was like, yo, I'm gonna have you come in, read at the hotel. He came in, he crushed the read, and genuinely, on he was my best actor on set, to the point. Okay, Stiz. Now he was. He was the best actor on set, and for this movie, particular in Oxymorons, I was the director and the lead actor with a bunch of other amazing, semi lead roles. But like my character was definitely the lead in Oxymorons. and that was a lot. Now in this one, I wanted to focus on the storytelling and directing and visuals without having to be in every scene. Yeah. So I have a very a smaller role, way smaller role than I did in Oxymoron than this, but I was able to work with the actors, which is what I wanted to do and get these expressions and all these different things right. that I wanted. 
And he was so good that I ended up rewriting the story and changing it to a whole different kind of twist and build, taking the girl character down, you know, because you have to do this in an independent and you, and you don't, you don't have you professional actors. You got to roll the punches and be ready to do switch stuff up. Someone could get hurt. And Someone could cancel. Yeah. So this is top notch acting <laughs> ability forced you to rearrange your whole movie. But I mean, it's not it, like I was working it, with Brad it, Pitt. It, but. No, it, it didn't force me to rearrange. Uh, you, you, you were working with a lot of people that are used to having cameras around them. That's the thing. So yeah. not acting necessarily, but yeah. you know, my boy CT crushed it. But he was the villain. But out of the group of other people that weren't the the horror villain, let's yeah. just say, Stiz like was just crushing the camera. Like he was just so natural. It looked, and I was just yeah. like, I gotta. That's this is the only way. If I have bad act, if I let the pretty girl lead the way and her acting's horrible, it's gonna ruin my movie. The worst. So yeah. if I gotta take the ugly kid from Chelsea and make him the lead, <laughs> right? We can't, him, we can't make him shine too much. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, we gotta tear Yo, him down a little teeth, bit, bro. The teeth, the fuck, bro. I gotta do some visual effects on this girl, but uh, I'm the good but, one. I'm the good looking one here. Yeah. <laughs> I need good looking roles. That's, that's when you holler at me. Uh, so, but he, but, cru- yeah. but he, but he crushed it, and so we, so we shot this film in the dead of winter, like oh. literally fucking freezing out in West Borough Lunatic Asylum, no running water, no heat, um, you know, in these yeah. places borderline haunted, you know, and but we did it, and we got. I remember it. that was last winter, right? Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. were telling me to come down to the set yeah. a couple you times. Should've, you should have yeah, come I down. I would have yeah. probably three in too. Yeah, I probably, would've, I probably yeah. would have found you something. I found a bunch of people did that, and I would throw them in at like one of the bar scenes or whatever. Yeah, it's usually yeah. how it goes. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so we shot this film, and now it's out at Sugar Studios in Los Angeles. Um, it's a pr- post production company that I've partnered with my editor, um, Paul Buell, who did Oxymorons. I brought him out to. California with me. I kept my word to him. He ended up with his talent landing a uh, senior editing position at Hydraulics where I was doing my visual effects for Oxymorons. And okay. now his, that has left Hydraulics and now is at Sugar Studios as a partner and they had it lead senior editor there. And I get another huge equity bonus because I get an amazing friends and family rate on a legit, like when I say legit stu- you've seen some of the videos, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The place is uh, uh, Craziness. Of, yeah, above the Wilter Theater and um, Koreatown, fourth and ninth floor. So he's got like and a major dope. post-production company editing and working yeah, on like you could, yeah, like they're doing a Travolta film. They just did a Wesley Snipes film. They just had a film in the film festival at HBO in New York. Pretty sure Travolta's gay. Just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah, I've heard uh, that. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, you hit the Hollywood stuff. Is he in Scientology? Is he a Scientologist? Yes, oh, absolutely. That's yeah. just just fruity right there. Yeah. That's a whole nother. That's another four yeah. hours of a story. I'll yeah, tell yeah. you that. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and then also while we were shooting Habit, Hickey said, yo, you should write a song for this movie. Well, what happened? Make it about the asylum. Yeah, no, what happened was you said something. We were, walk, we were just talking about stuff and the rooms that we were going in. I'm like, look at this. I said, I don't remember exactly. It was like something like, look at this room. And he was like, yeah, they had people in here doing the Thorazine shuffle. Like he gave some reference like that. Yeah. And I turned around, I looked at him, I'm like, yo, that'd be a great song, dude. I said, yeah, you should, right. I'm like, yeah, you should. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I was being sarcastic in a way, but I was like also like, man, imagine he did do it. You know, and I was like, yo, you should and write a song. And he did it. And he did, like, yeah. not even a month later, he gives me this track, Thorazine Shuffle, and I'm like, whoa, dude. I'm like, we got to, like, really right. wrap our head around it and, and do this as right. Well, see, most people don't know yet because he, he haven't dropped it yet, but I've heard it, obviously, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, and, and people will be hearing it soon, obviously. We just shot the video at the Lunatic Asylum, and it's going to be part of the movie, too, And but it's... I mean, the thing's dope. It's just got yeah. such a, like, Super yeah, dope. yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout Thorazine, for Thorazine, Thorazine Shuffle. Thorazine Shuffle and it's, coming yeah, out in it's the first weeks. real, I've worked on a few music videos, but this is the first one I really took part in, you know, and, and was being part of the music. Shout out Rose Glenn as well. Yeah, Rose Glenn. Yeah, yeah he was, John, he was great to work with. Um, everybody that was on Bobby it. Bobby Turner. Bobby Turner, all the girls from the movie, Jay yes. Bird. Yep, Jay um, Bird. All the makeup people, Dottie and everybody. But the thing about it was, was like, even like with the music video, like, I'm going in and I'm like, 
went into tell everyone to be quiet, and then I'm like, oh wait, we're not even recording sound. Like, so yeah, I had to like yeah, remind yeah. myself that we're just rolling camera. There's like no sounds like ADR yeah, all day yeah, long. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is way better. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, there's one yeah, less yeah, thing yeah, I have to yeah. worry about here. There yeah. was a mad funny part right where I'm rapping the um, I was rapping the hook or whatever for the song, and Johnny realizes like he's trying to tell me stuff, right? But he, it's like he said, he's like used to shooting movies where you can't talk in the yeah, background. Yeah, you gotta be quiet. So he's like trying to tell me something, and I don't understand. And then you see a light bulb goes on, and he's like. What I, I thought he said was spit. And so I'm like, he was saying spin. spin. But he wanted me to like just start spinning around looking crazy. And I thought he said spit. So he's like, spit, spit. And out of nowhere, I just fucking hawk <laughs> a clam on the wall. <laughs> so which like, what is the great. What the fuck are you doing? But which is great because funny. that could end up being used and look insane. Exactly. You never know. Exactly, you know what yeah. I mean? Just random things like that. So, um, uh, you know, we, we got to be. Yeah, we got to. We definitely got to start wrapping up. Yep, that's still going. We're, right. we're looking good. But Damn, so. I could do this shit all day. We didn't even get to none of the. For real? Oh, it cut? Really? Word? Oh, so, all right, so, well then so we'll have ended? to, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to wrap it. Well, right. that's because yeah. we didn't get to do like an ending where he gives all his social medias and all. No, that. no, no, that's all right. But I'm just gonna do like the, you know, the, this audio we'll do, will still we'll be there. Yeah, anyway. yeah, whatever you guys need to do, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. this audio will still be there. Uh, and so, I'm gonna come back to it. So whatever. where can people find you? Tell people where they can find you. Um, uh, social media, it's at the Johnny Hickey at thejohnnyhickey.com. Um, oxymorons. Please watch it on Comcast. If you're a Comcast subscriber and have Xfinity on demand, please watch it there. Uh, please spread the word to watch it there. If you um, have anything Thank to do with most. the opiate epidemic, I just want to see a cool crime drama, independent film, supporter of any of that stuff. I'm gonna check this shit. Check it, it out. Is, yo, it's a and, fi- it's a good movie. And if bro. you and if you it's don't if you don't have uh, Comcast Xfinity, it's on Amazon Prime. And you can get a free Amazon Prime account for like seven days if yeah. you don't have one and yeah. try it. Watch my movie. I think it's like a month, actually. It's something. Yeah, 30 yeah. days. It is 30 days. And then if you can't even do that, it's on Big Star TV for free with commercials. So please Work. check it out. And uh, yeah, and then be watching for um, Habit, too, which will be dropping um, the beginning of this year, the winter. So this winter will be yeah, dropping I'm, Habit. I'm really, excited so. about, I'm really excited yeah. that I got to be part of a horror movie. Uh, we do have breaking news real quick. Nelly got arrested this morning for rape. What? Right. Yes, now I was on tour. What we, a country! Literally, star. as we were walking in, you told me this. So it like, broke. I didn't hear any. Uh, we don't know details. Oh, I'm, and, I'm um, not quick to talk on shit like that. Yeah, no, that's w- without knowing if it's yeah. the, you don't throw the R word. No, around like that. no. Like, yeah, the lawyer has already came out, but uh, so he was arrested this morning in a Walmart parking lot in Washington. Uh, he was doing a tour with Florida Georgia Line. I think they're like a country artist. Um, we get hit on that next week. I want the facts. Yeah, but his lawyer did just uh, release a statement. Nelly is the victim of a completely fabricated allegation. Our go. initial investigation clearly establishes the allegation is devoid of credibility and is motivated by greed and vindictiveness. I'm confident once the skirtuous, I don't know, accusation is thoroughly investigated, there will be no charges. Nelly is prepared to pursue all legal actions against Yeah, we'll have to hit on that. I I got a bunch of shit. That's always a a touchy thing. I just just want to fly through some things real quick while it's this week. Ralphie May passed away. R.I.P. to Ralphie May. I met him a bunch of times at the Comedy Connection. Uh, Wicked good guy. A real quick. Real funny. Really? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I thought he was 45 years old. Oh, my fucking God. Cardiac arrest. I mean, but he was oh, he was a yeah, heavy, heavy, heavy dude. That's fat boy you know? shit, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's too much dairy. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, a, a real quick story. No, Three weeks ago, bro. <laughs> Three weeks ago, I had Ralphie May booked to come on Maddie and Nick. Yeah. He was supposed to call at 4.30. 4.30 comes, he never calls. Uh, his agent emails me and is like, hey, did Ralphie call? I'm like, no, he hasn't. She's like, 
oh shit, like I don't know what's going on. We never hear from him again. Wow. Off air, we were like, oh shit, like imagine if something happened. He's a big dude, like whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. That was three weeks ago, bro. Crazy. And uh, the article said that he did a show the Thursday night. Yeah, he in was Vegas, out in and Vegas. They found him on yep, Friday. Yep. Uh, Vegas, obviously we can't get into this. RIP everyone in Vegas. I was literally just fucking standing there in that same parking lot a few weeks ago. I should have lived there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There. Snuck, have you ever been to Vegas? No, nah, not yet. Oh, we gotta get you I did AC a couple times, which was, yeah, so I, yeah. I can't wait to do Vegas. Um, I, you brought up, because we were talking all about this, all this shit earlier, like uh, Netflix. Netflix just upped their prices. Yes, that a was a thing that happened. A this dollar week. subscription, yeah. Netflix. They, they, I don't. I did. That's why Xfinity. One of the reasons, real quick, why Comcast brought me on it was this thing that's going on with it. They're getting all the content that Netflix doesn't have because Netflix content isn't massive. They have their own stuff, obviously. Yeah. And they got money right yeah. now, but they're playing a dangerous game because Comcast is still the big boy. And if they, yeah. but Comcast they, charges me fucking a two hundred dollars a month, guy. I know, but they, I'll go with fifteen dollars. I'll go with yeah. That's I'll go with fifteen dollars Netflix but, all every day. Right. Yeah, that, but for somebody who watches live shit like paying. sports and or like certain news, you need Comcast. Like, yeah. 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 So if you if you, you're a Comcast person, they're, what they're doing now that Comcast never did was this. If you, and you've seen it, they're turning the Xfinity online into a massive platform. So if you're at Comcast, you don't have the need for Netflix unless it's a Netflix Well, thing Comcast because, has a deal with right. Netflix now. I can watch Netflix right on Comcast, so you know, right on the Xfinity I think box. it's going to be one of those things where like, oh, that's right, yeah. Netflix is always going to be big in this new digital world, but yeah. they're going to have to like wingman with Comcast. It's what I'm envisioning, you know? Can yeah, I also yeah. say real quick with the Vegas thing and the gun control, I do think we need gun control. I mean, the place that this guy bought the fucking guns, the store. Listen, there is no need for anyone in this country exactly. to have right. automatic weapons. Guys, the like, name of the store that he bought this shit, Guns and Guitars. Yeah, you know we have a wow. fucking problem if no, there's a it, store it, it, named it, it, Guns and listen, Guitars. Before, before this stuff even started happening and, you know, terrorism and all that and just weird, wacky stuff like that, we, we have so many people that are freaking mentally ill, you yeah. know what I mean? And they can, in certain states, can just get these guns that can be modified or even automatic weapons. It's just, there's no need for it. Like, if someone, I'm not even a hunter and I'm not even into that. Right, But, yeah. but if someone wants, that's their cool. right to go Do get that. a rifle yeah. and hunt yeah. or have a handgun in their house to protect themselves. Fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. But the the, the machine guns and the AR-15s. I mean, Crazy. what is gonna what is that gonna be used for? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we should exactly to catch a buffalo. Like, come on. on this. Like, yeah. Hell my yeah. only thing with dude, I stopped 2,500 guns from coming in automatic weapons. Yeah. And, right. and, and and so you guys can not kind of understand in your own. Maybe you wouldn't have done what I did to stop it. But the, I didn't at that time. I felt no remorse for stopping that because right. I don't. Dude, they're well, only gonna end up like, killing somebody. You're talking about AIs. You're talking about um, uh, machines that were only. Um, meant, meant to take out to, yeah. hundreds and you know, just Street mass sweepers. amounts of people at once. So, like, what does a person need that for? Right. Yes. You and don't need that it, to kill. When, You're not going to pop up a and bear, when, uh, and when one a deer yeah, 50 times. Yeah, and yeah. when one old white dude can get 30 of them into Mandalay Bay, Crazy. what can a group of any kind of people, yeah. white, together, black, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, you know yeah. what I mean? Any group of people that are against another group of people or against society in general, what if... 30 people have 30 of those. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Now what, what's going to happen? Yeah. It's going to be a I've massacre. Never heard, I've never heard one single like intelligent argument on the other side yeah. of why we and, need these in this society. And the proof like, is in the pudding. Anything more than a handgun. I'd love like to bring shit. someone in and, and shred them. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Right, right. You know? And the proof, it's almost too easy, but the, I don't understand. The, the proof is in the pudding. In the states that have stricter gun laws, there's less gun deaths. In states right. that have 
uh, fewer gun laws, there's way more gun deaths. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Australia had a mass murder like 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. Passed a law, got rid of all machine yeah. guns. Have not had one mass exactly. murder since. Zero. And we, and we deal yeah. with this shit every few months out here. And then real quick, I just want to end with Brady. Is Brady all done? No, no snuck? not even close. Not even close. I'm not a huge sports guy, but I know my basic. The, the guy won the Super Bowl last year. You know, right, when people right. go out. They they go out. They they last I think year he should have went. He, he should have went out last year, bro. Would have been saying, on top. Dude, no did, one would have ever been able he, to say shit because. But, he did, I, but if you're making that but kind Snuck of money, says, I mean. yeah, and that's true. The money, and then Snuck says he uh, is trying to get it to a point where no one can beat his record of Super Bowl well, rings. Get the sixth sense. and then be out. Yeah, I was yeah. happy with the fifth. But get I think I think he, I think he can still do it. I mean, the guy again last year won the Super Bowl. Why can why is he done this year and still exactly. he done? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just because the games. We've seen this before, and then right. let's, they're always the better. Same brand new. They're always yeah. better later in the season, except for when they're going eighteen and zero. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. besides that, they're always flaky in the beginning. So wait till the playoffs, and then say that Brady's done. Like at least it. do that. You know, I like exactly. it. Oh, and uh, Slain in turn just dropped the album. Anti Hero came out uh, last. Well, came out Friday night. Um, it's available Slane everywhere. And terminology. Slane and terminology. Joint album. Um, That's got to be intense, huh? That's oh, yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, oh, yeah. have they done tracks together before? Yeah, 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 right? sure. yeah, I so. yeah. We fuck with, We've been fucking with Slane for, for years. Uh, but I remember this, I listened uh, to his track back in the day with a dude, I want to say Rob Kelly from Ireland, like a dude from Ireland and Slane. Do you remember oh, that? Word? Yeah, it was some crazy stuff. It it, check it out, dude. It, it's yeah. pretty good. But yeah. that shit is out now everywhere. Um, the first single is produced by DJ Premier, features Bun B and Everlast. They just went out there to shoot the uh, video. Yeah, wow, that, that's, that's what came that's out intense, for, for, huh? for me. And we oh, need and tomorrow advertisers. Night, uh, oh, no. Sunday night. Sunday night, yeah. Yet. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. All good. So we'll be at the uh, release. ST The Squad album is out now everywhere. It's myself, Terminology, Easy Money, Rex, DJ Deadeye. Album out now everywhere. I got a Stop. new video, Thorazine Shuffle. Make sure you are on the lookout for that. That shit will be out on Halloween. Yeah, we'll be... We'll Johnny directed that. that. Johnny helped direct yeah, that. John, awesome. Johnny and Make and sure to John hit like on the Stuck on Stuff Facebook page. Yes, and, uh, follow us. Subscribe to the YouTube page if you want to watch the visuals of this shit. Um, as always, though, it'll be on iTunes and uh, your podcast app on your iPhone and yes, all that shit. SoundCloud, that shit. Stuck on Stuff Podcast. Go watch Oxymoron. On Xfinity. On Xfinity. And if you and don't have Xfinity, Amazon Prime. There you and go. we That's out. Shit. Later.